MRN's Classic Races are brought to you by Hercules Tires. The Motor Racing Network presents the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Today, the Sovereign Bank 500 from the Martinsville Speedway. Sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer. Head for the Mountains of Bush by STP Corporation. Depend on proven performance. STP, your car care company. By Pontiac. At Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler Brand. Live it to the limit in Wrangler. By Skull Moist Smokeless Tobacco. A pinch is all it takes. By Piedmont Airlines, the up-and-coming airline. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco. Time after time, the quality comes through. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher, give your body what it's thirsty for. By Timex Watches, the official timepiece of NASCAR. By Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time. By Chameleon Sunglasses, the only sunglasses with sun sensor lenses. And by Ocean's Eleven Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. Well, the ingredients are here for a good one this afternoon at Martinsville Speedway in the Sovereign Bank 500. Let's go down to pit road right now and check in with two-time Grand National Champion Ned Jarrett. Well, thank you, Barney Hall, and good afternoon, everyone. Everything is about set here in the pit area. A lot of anticipation for this race, the closest qualifying ever, and uh, nobody knows really if there is a real flat-out favorite that you might consider here because so many cars are running so well here. And a fellow who has run quite a bit here at Martinsville, but like myself, he never got in victory lane here has been Parsons, former Grand National Champion, be working with me here today. Well, thank you very much, Ned. Uh, in North Wilkesboro, a couple, three weeks ago, Tim Richmond won the race and took a winner's circle spot. There is only one left. The first four cars on the grid need a victory to get in, in the winner's circle program. Those first four cars is you know, right now, everybody's got to go after that victory because the winner's circle is a lot of money. It is a lot of money, and, of course, a lot of money up for grabs here this afternoon as well. Barney, in the clocking late yesterday in the last practice session after that modified race, I found Harry Gant and Dale Earnhardt and Tommy Ellis to be among those that were running the fastest at that particular time. Well, I think it's going to be a good one. It's really, as you said, it's hard to pick a favorite. I think the drivers and the mechanics themselves might figure that if there is a favorite in the in the field, it would have to be Darrell Waltrip simply from his past record here. The field is on the track right now. They'll make four laps. They have three to go before they put them under green as they warm up the engines to get ready to go. It's an overcast day at Martinsville. It's kind of perfect for racing right now. The overcast is supposed to burn off a little bit later this afternoon, and if it does and the sun pops out, it'll probably get up into the high 70s, be pretty hot here at Martinsville. To cover the action for Motor Racing Network this afternoon, up in turns three and four, which lie to the north end of the speedway, let's go up to Birmingham's Alabama's Eli Gold. All right, Barney, thanks a lot. You know, this uh, end of the speedway, turns three and four, very much like the other end, the turns are so very tight. And, of course, the straightaways, as have been described here, as like drag strips. So what happens is you use the straightaway to try and out-dive your opponent into the turn. And consequently, coming off the turn, in this instance, turn four, you hope to get a good bite to the racetrack and be able to pull away down the straightaway. So the turns are indeed critical spots on this racetrack, especially the kind of grab you get off the corner. And once this race is 50, 60, or 70 laps old, we'll begin to see the contour of the track change. The cars will behave, begin to behave a little bit differently, and it always makes for an exciting race. 
It's a good one. The key always here at Martinsville is brakes. Every driver you talk to says, is there a key factor to winning here? Every driver here will tell you that the brakes. You have to nurse them all day long. The place to be is obviously in the lead because that's something else every driver will tell you. And Benny, I'm sure you can elaborate a little more on that. If you're in the lead, you can, you can conserve them probably 80% better than the guys running second from their back. The problem here, Barney, is in the in the lead as any racetrack you don't have much of a problem but when you get back about seventh or eighth those cars like bill elliott tim richmond dale earnhardt in needing to get by the traffic if they are in fact out running them they use the brakes up trying to pass the other cars so when they do get in front the brakes are completely gone so you can't let the guy drive away from you but yet you still got to have some brakes when you do get by him it's a devilish situation in martinsville Pontiac safety car leads the field down the front straightaway and into turn number one in front of an absolutely packed house. It is standing room only. They're even sitting atop the fences here at Martinsville. The light is out atop the 15th anniversary Trans Am safety car. As Benny Parsons pointed out, not only the front four, but six of the front eight drivers in this field need a win to get on NASCAR's lucrative winner's circle appearance program. There's only one spot left. 31 car field heads up the back straightaway for the final time before they put them under green. They head up toward Eli Gold. Well, right now they're getting themselves set. The front row of Harry Gant and pole sitter Joe Rutman. Right behind them, Terry Labonte and Ron Bouchard. The third row, Darrell Waltrip and Jeff Bodine. Buddy Baker and Neil Bonnet start seventh and eighth. Rounding out the top ten, Ricky Rudd and Morgan Shepard. Pace car leads the field off turn four. It looks to make the left-hand turn down pit road, and we're looking for a start here to the Sovereign Bank 500. They are about 100 yards in the start-finish line. Green flag is out, and the Sovereign Bank 500 is underway. Rutman comes up to the gearbox quickly, jumps out front all by himself. Labonte dives down to the inside, moves into the number two spot, forcing Gant to the outside lane. They are two abreast heading up to turn three. Harry Gant tries to make a challenge to grab second spot. They go into turn three with Labonte to the inside, Gant to the outside. Rutman still leads. It's all the way back to tenth spot before they again go double file. Single file, but for Harry Gant. The outside oh, there's problems there. off turn four. Mike Alexander got sideways with Dale Jarrett. Jarrett scoots away, but Alexander hits the pit retaining wall on the passenger side of the automobile. The hood has flown open from the wrong direction, and the field now comes by. Alexander is up against the retaining wall, out of everybody's way, but a tough start for the Sovereign Bank 500 for Mike Alexander. Caution is on the speedway, and it'll be the first one of the day. It comes out on the first lap. Joe Rutman wins the drag race back to the line, so the pole sitter will be the leader. The field went pretty much single file, but for Harry Gant, who was caught up on the high side, Gant has fallen fourth in line. So under this caution, Rutman will be the leader. Labonte will run second. Waltrip will be third. Fourth will be Harry Gant. In the fifth spot is Ron Bouchard. Sixth is Jeff Bodine. And seventh is Buddy Baker. We're still under caution here at Martinsville Speedway. They are about to tow Mike Alexander's car away. They have a wrecker in that vicinity hitched up to it. Let's go down and check in with Benny Parsons in that vicinity. Thank you very much, Barney. I am down with Mike Alexander. Mike, exactly what happened? Well, we came off at number two, and, it, you know, we were trying to take it easy, and Dale got a little sideways, and, you know, he came down to the low part of the racetrack. We just happened to be there, so, you know, our luck's got to change. It can't keep going like this. It, it looks like the car hit very solid with the right side. Does it look like it's hurt pretty bad? I would say it's a total. You know, it's going to be the car we were taking to Nashville, and we had everything ready to go to Nashville. We were just going to try to take it easy today and finish in the top ten, but we'll just have to try again. But you're okay. I mean, uh, the car's hurt pretty bad, but you are okay? I'm fine. You know, I, I'm sure everybody in Franklin and everywhere is you know, worried, but, it, you know, everything went okay, and we just hate we didn't go 500 laps. Well, Barney, Mike Alexander seems to be fine. The car's hurt. Well, it is 
That happened so many times at Martinsville in the close quarter racing here. The drivers just hope to be able to survive and maybe the field gets strung out a little bit. But when you're running tightly together like they are, just one little bobble on anybody's part and you can end up in the wall and damage the car severely enough to put it out for the afternoon. It was not Mike Alexander's day here at Martinsville. Next Sunday, we'll be off to Talladega, Alabama, the world's fastest speedway for the Winston 500. Bush pole qualifying happens on Thursday, and they're talking about rewriting the speed charts for Talladega and a pole speed that might approach, they're talking 205 miles per hour based on some of the preliminary testing. On Saturday, the Talladega Supercar Series takes over the track in the Permatex 500. Sunday, it's the Winston 500. MRN goes on the air at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Next, we're back to the short tracks, Nashville for the Coors 420, Saturday night, May 12th. And then the Budweiser 500 at Dover Downs, Delaware. That comes up on Sunday, May 20th on Motor Racing Network. Then the month of May will wind up at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the World 600, Sunday, May 27th. In June, MRN comes back on the air at Riverside, California with the Budweiser 400, June 3rd. The Van Scoy 500 at Pocono, June 10th. And the Miller High Life 400 at Michigan International Speedway on June 17th. All these ticket offices are open right now, so based on this tremendous crowd we've got here at Martinsville today, you'll want to give them a call and reserve your seats for NASCAR Winston Cup racing coming soon to your area. We're set to go back to green here at Martinsville. Joe Rutman is the leader. Labonte rides second. Third is Waltrip. Fourth is Harry Gant. Fifth is Bouchard. Sixth right now is Jeff Bodine as they work single file for a restart back up into turn number three to Eli Gold. Behind Jeff Bodine currently in seventh is Morgan Shepard. Buddy Baker will restart from the eighth position. Going ninth will be Neil Bonnet's car and rounding out the top ten, Ricky Rudd. Pace car right now pulling away from the field. It will duck on pit road and the pace now being established by Joe Rutman, the pole sitter, as we look for the restart off turn four. Pontiac safety cars behind pit wall. Harold Kinder waves the green, and they'll get back to business in a hurry. Rutman pulls him into the number one corner. He is out front by half a car length. A moment ago, just as that caution came out, Terry Labonte looked awfully strong off the turn. He does this time. He's inside Rutman. They bang together going down the backstretch there in turn three. They do bang indeed, and right now Labonte has to try and hold off a challenge from Waltrip to the outside in turn number four. Waltrip, one second spot, can't get it. Labonte holds on, and here comes Harry Gantz. Gant moves up on the inside of Waltrip, planks his right front headlight door up under the left rear quarter panel of Waltrip's car, then goes single file. Waltrip wasting no time trying to get to the front, mindful of what happened to Darlington in the front is the place to be. It's single file all the way back to 10th position now where Tommy Ellis works to the inside of Bill Elliott's car and out drags him into turn three to take the position. Elliott now loses a spot to Earnhardt and has to try and tuck in ahead of Tim Richmond. Leaders back in the south end of the speedway. That's turns one and two going off the number two turn. It's still Rutman in front. Labonte riding second. Third is still Walter. Fourth is Harry Gant. Fifth is Bouchard. Still single file back in three. Sixth is Bodine. Seventh to Morgan Shepard. Bonnet goes eighth. Ninth is Buddy Baker. Tenth through Earnhardt. Eleventh is Tommy Gant or at least uh, Tommy Ellis. 12th now is Earnhardt. 13th is Tim Richmond. A good 14th place battle now. They're single file all the way back to Bobby Allison on the inside of Bill Elliott. And Elliott has backslid five positions since they dropped the green flag to the restart. Right now at the point, it's still Joe Rutman by a car length over Terry Labonte. The battle back at eighth spot as Tommy Ellis gives a bang to Ricky Rudden and turn is hit by Earnhardt. They come off the corner, back into turn number one. Out front is Joe Rutman. He told me yesterday that starting on the pole, he wasn't sure how long he could lead this race. Well, I've just never been in that position before. I would I would think that that would, if the, if the advantage would hold for a while, exactly how long it's going to hold. You're, you know, the fast cars are going to probably come around to the slow cars, and so that advantage is going to hold for a while, but not for any great length of time. 
It's holding for Rutman right now. He is still the leader after 15 laps have been completed. Labonte hangs on a second. Single file racing, and Ned, this is no big surprise because we've seen, what, a couple of years ago when on that first lap, Earnhardt and a group of cars knocked out about 11 or 12 right in the early going. And they remember those kind of situations too, Marty, and yes, they're just getting the feel of their cars and the feel of each other out there right now, and as Benny mentioned earlier, they've got to conserve those brakes because that's always a big problem here. Of course, another problem is uh, rear gearing too because they run such a low gear ratio and it turns a lot of RPMs. Keeping the preschool in there so that it'll run for 500 laps is a problem too, so they can use up an automobile in a hurry here, and they don't want to do that in the early going. Heck of a battle for 11th spot right now going on between Dale Earnhardt and Ricky Rudd, the two Wrangler cars. All season long, they have really tried to outdo each other. There's a competitiveness between these two that used to probably exist between Tim Richmond and Dale Earnhardt, who are neighbors down on Lake Norman. They're heading back to turn three. And right now, Earnhardt leads Ricky Rudd. Rudd lost two possessions on each of the last two laps as both Tommy Ellis and Earnhardt have gone by him. Two cars on the move. One is Earnhardt. He's picked up four positions since the start of the race. And the other is Neil Bonnet. Since the restart, Bonnet has worked underneath Buddy Baker, and now he's gone underneath Morgan Shepard to pick up the seventh spot. And Morgan Shepard, of course, one of the men who has gotten himself a good bit of racing on this racetrack in all sorts of divisions, late model sportsman and Grand National. He holds off Buddy Baker back to the line. Capacity crowd watching the early going here in the Sovereign Bank 500 with Joe Rutman about two car lengths ahead of Terry Labonte. It's about a five-car gap back to Darrell Waltrip in third spot. They're back in turn three. Right behind Waltrip, about two car lanes down is Harry Gant, then two and a half car lanes back to Ron Bouchard, who has a rear-view mirror full of Jeff Bodine, then two more car lanes back to Neil Bonnet. Bonnet's the seventh-place car. Eighth is Morgan Shepard. Ninth, Buddy Baker. Tenth is Tommy Ellis. Eleventh is Earnhardt. Twelfth is Rudd. Thirteenth is Richmond. Allison is fourteenth. 15th is Elliott, 16th is Kyle Petty, then Dick Brooks, Richard Petty, Rusty Wallace, Dave Marcus, and Ronnie Thomas. From Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, Motor Racing Network. Citywide to countryside. Whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules Tires has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there, no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTire.com. There, you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTire.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. Of the first ten cars on the racetrack right now, nine of them are looking for their first victory of the season. For most of those drivers, they jump at that chance to get on NASCAR's Winter Circle program. Chief among those, Joe Rutman, winless in his 92 career Winston Cup Grand National starts. He leads the field up to turn three. Meanwhile, as Rutman works his way into turn three, we're watching Buddy Baker, who of late has gone from seventh spot all the way back to 14th position as that car had trouble working in the turns. He has now brought it back down to the low side of the racetrack, but he has now been passed and put back to 14th. Well, in fairness to the Wood Brothers, they do not have a short track car, per se. Usually the car they run is what they would consider maybe a car they'd run at Rockingham or Darlington or somewhere like that. They make a few modifications on the car and bring it here, and they are at a little bit of a disadvantage. But almost every time they've been here in recent years, when they started running some short tracks again, they have put on a pretty good performance. And Ned or Benny, either one, may answer this. I talked to Leonard yesterday about their efforts here, what kind of shape they're in and everything. And he said, well, we may just go with what he calls that we're going to sock the gear 
rear to the car and see what Baker can do. He said we'd rather run up front of the early going, maybe lose an engine some point, at least be a factor rather than run 10th or 15th all day and not be in the race. So they may have done that. Well, when they say sock the gear to it, that means that they're going to run a lower ratio, turning the engine more RPMs. They do gamble, of course, in the engine running 500 laps uh, when you turn it more RPMs. But in order to get off of the turns with the General Motors products, you've got to gear down a little bit because they can gear those cars low and turn a lot of RPMs, which gives them a good jump off of the turns. And that's so important here at Martinsville. I think G.C. Spencer told me the same thing about Tommy Ellis's car, that they were going to put a gear in it that would do the same thing. And G.C. said maybe he'll run all day, maybe he won't, but he'll certainly be able to hang in that lead pack. And he's doing a good job here this afternoon for Tommy Ellis. The leaders are caught in traffic right now, Eli Gold, and they're going to have to pick their way through. They've already gone by the car normally driven by Tommy Gale, Jimmy Hensley aboard today, and now they'll have to work by Dean Combs. Moving around the Combs, best product Oldsmobile down at the south end of the speedway. Joe Rutman swings it out wide. And lapping traffic will have a positive effect on this race. It's been a single-file affair most of the way through, but as the lead cars start working some rubber into that second groove, the groove on the racetrack will move up higher, and we should see a little more side-by-side -side racing. Well, it will be. We saw quite a bit of passing the last time we were here in September last year for the Grand National Division. Some passing on the outside. We saw the same thing at Bristol a few weeks ago when Bobby Allison was just driving around everybody in the outside lane. Earnhardt right now still holding out of that position directly ahead of Ricky Rudd. Talking about Joe Rutman a moment ago and just that team has kind of been in a tailspin for the last six or eight months. They've been through three or four crew chiefs over the last couple of years. They've had some internal problems. It's no secret. They've had some engine problems. They lost their engine man for a while. I think Raymond Fox is back with the team doing the engines right now. And Rutman talked to me on Friday when they won the pole. He said the pole is position is nice, but Joe, you really need a win, don't you? Barney, uh, there's no question that uh, the team is, and Joe Rutman needs a win as well as the whole team does, and that's uh, that's what the whole thing's all about. We've just uh, been so far away from it that just beyond imagination, but I think uh, here in the last two or three races, it, it's come to reality that maybe we, we have a shot if we can just put everything together. Lots of Joe Rutman going into the race today. I think a lot of people would like to see him pull out a victory. Pretty good battle going on between Harry Gant and Ron Bouchard right now, along with Jeff Bodine as they come out of turn number four. Bouchard has been trying to get underneath Gant's gold band, and he's got a shot at him this time as they hit turn one. Ron Bouchard takes the yellow and white Race Hill Farms Buick way low and hard into turn number one, dives it beneath Gant, and he comes out of the corner with the lead. Here's Bodine. He's got the inside groove, trying to kick Harry up on the high side. Bodine trying to pass Harry Gant. Can't do it on the low side. Bouchard holds fourth. Gant is in fifth. Now Bodine is in sixth, and Neil Bonnet hounding at him for seventh. It's amazing to watch the short track performance at Martinsville when you have eight and ten cars running exactly nose to tail, just inches apart. If that front car on the head of that pack slows up for any reason and he gets tagged, it's a chain reaction all the way back through the field. It was just a moment ago in front of Eli Gold. That's right. Everybody kind of tightened it up. It was like an accordion coming back together as you played the notes. Tommy Ellis has joined that frame. Morgan Shepard, Earnhardt and Rudd, Jim Richmond, all there tightly tied together. It's kind of like a giant slinky as they go back and forth. And you look at those front group of cars, about the first nine of them, and there's only one race winner this year in that group, and that's Waldron. They're back at three. Harry Gant has now gone high off turn two, passed by Bodine on the back straightaway, and Neil Bonnet had a bid beneath Harry Gant, but comes up on the slower car of Dean Combs, so Neil has to tuck back behind Harry. The leader is Joe Rutman. Labonte rides second. Third right now is Walter. Fourth is Bouchard. Fifth is Jeff Bodine. Sixth is Gant. He's being challenged right now by Neil Bonnet for that spot. They go door to door into turn three. And Neil Bonnet gets the good jump off the corner. And now Morgan Shepard tightens it up on Harry Gant. So Gant not coming off turn two as well as he would like, as that's where Bonnet passed him. That's where Bodine has passed him. We'll see what Morgan Shepard does. 
Morgan Shepard trying to work, and a squeeze play as Tim Richmond makes it three wide in the front straightaway to try to get underneath Bobby Allison, and he's there. Ricky Rudd is also caught way up on the high side, and Richmond will pick up one, maybe two spots by the fourth corner. He's got Allison. He moves inside of Ricky Rudd, out dives the Wrangler machine into turn three. She'll pick up yet another position there for Tim Richmond, the winner at Wilkesboro a couple of weeks ago. Still the leader is Rutman. He's stretched his margin now to a pretty good ways, about 100 yards as a matter of fact. Morgan Shepard gets underneath Harry Gant, and then I guess Gant definitely has a problem because he's just continually sliding back through the pack. Yes, he is, Barney. That's a little surprising because yesterday in the last practice, he was one of the fastest cars on the track, and he felt very good about it. He did say that they were running a little bit higher gear. We've talked about the gears and those that have geared them down than they normally would run here. Of course, they're doing that to try to conserve the, the engine. But he said, I don't know how it'll work for me in traffic. But apparently it's not working that well for him in traffic right now, especially the way that his chassis is set up now. When the groove moves up a little bit later, as Mike Joy mentioned, it will do as they start lapping other cars. Then the higher gear would work better for him than it is right now. And here he is coming into the pits, an unscheduled pit stop for Harry Gant. The Skull Bandit crew go to the right side. So apparently he had a tire going down, Barney. And that was the reason that he was beginning to backslide through the field. So the defending champion, well, no, he won this race two years ago. Darrell Walter won it last year, but Gant having trouble here early in the Sovereign Bank 500. They changed the right side tires. He's back out and running, but he's lost a lap. Costly pit stop. Uh, he was trying to nurse the car along for a few laps, hoping to get a caution to get in there, but it didn't work out, and they had no choice but to bring it on the pit road. And Gant has his work cut out. When you play catch up here at Martinsville, it's a long day. And it's been a good racetrack for Harry Gant. As Ned pointed out, he won two years ago, and last year in this race, he was second to Darrell Walter. Joe Rutman has opened up a lead of about 1.8 seconds on Terry Labonte, and it's about two seconds from Labonte back to Darrell Waltram as they continue to work race traffic up at the north end of the speedway. At the same time, it's time to go to class for Tommy Ellis. He found himself out of the draft, has passed by four cars, and now Harry Gant goes by him, of course, on fresh rubber. But Ellis gets into Gant in turn number three. They're sideways. They are in a moderate T-bone. Ellis's car just slides nose first towards the driver compartment side of Gant's car, but there was no major contact. There was contact, but they were both sliding along. Gant now backs the car up the banking of turn three and four. Ellis has pulled away, and Tommy gets the car, or at least Harry Gant gets the car righted now, and finally pulls off, but that's going to bring out the second caution. Tommy Ellis found himself in a terrible jam. He got out of the single file. He was losing four quick positions. He said, I've got to tuck in line somewhere. And he picked the spot that Harry Gant had. And that's the story. It comes out on lap 44. It's the second caution of the afternoon. And we'll see which of the leaders. Here's Tim Richmond diving onto pit road. We'll update pit stops after this. Pace car has the field up in turn number three. The light is out atop the Pontiac safety car. We're getting set for the restart. 48 laps are completed. Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, and Dale Jarrett did not pit under the caution. They're the three drivers at the front of the parade as we wait for the restart. Harold Kinder waves the green, and we'll go back to racing speed in a hurry. Greg Sachs, who was held just a moment ago for passing the leader under that caution, down in that inside groove as they come into turn number one. Allison is the leader. Let's see how long he can stay out there. Now, remember, Allison did not make a pit stop, did not change tires. Neither did Richard Petty. Neither did Dale Jarrett. They're single file back in three. Those who did pit working their way back up through traffic. Terry Labonte of those cars is the closest to the leader, but he's right now sandwiched in and race traffic off turn four. Bobby Allison brings him down to turn number one. His crew chief, Gary Nelson, uses a computer in the pits and tries to project what will happen during the race. 
Nelson may have projected that a caution flag would come out again before they need to pit and take on fuel, so they elected to stay on the racetrack. Terry Labonte has gotten himself free of some race traffic. He'll move up into a clear shot at the leaders in third spot. Waltrip using the inside of the racetrack. He's fourth. Then comes Jarrett fifth and Joe Rutman sixth. And there's a lot of scrambling going on from sixth position back in traffic. Dave Marcus is trying to move up. So is Joe Rutman trying to get back to the front along with Tommy Ellis's car, which was in that altercation a moment ago. Harry Gantz seems to be flying right now. He's just literally pushing Dave Marcus up into three. And of course, behind Harry Gantz comes the Buddy Baker automobile, then Bill Elliott and Ron Bouchard, Ricky Rudd thereafter. So everybody now working their way around a slower car, trying to get in single files formation. Rutman and Bonnet move underneath Glenn, uh, rather Dale Jarrett and pick up a position from the rookie driver as the leaders are in the back stretch. Bobby Allison sees Labonte Trouble behind. in turn two. Clark Dwyer has climbed up over the curb. It was an anxious moment for the six cars following. The curbing at the inside of the asphalt down here in the corner, but everybody got by without incident. And back underway, leaders are down here at the south end. Bobby Allison is pulled away by a healthy margin on Terry Labonte right now, who's threaded his way back to second spot. Allison leads by about 10 or 12 car lengths. Richard Petty is running a lot Stronger. Also, he's hanging right up there in the front three. They're back in turns three and four. Fourth is Waltrip. Fifth is Rutman now. Dale Jarrett is sixth. Seventh is Dave Markish. Eighth going to the Buddy Baker car. Ninth is Bouchard. Tenth is Ricky Rudd. Ned, it's good experience for Dale. This is his first outing in a Grand National car. He's got a lot of miles under his belt on this racetrack in sportsman division. But to race at the tail end of the field like he did on the start and then suddenly be riding along at second and third position, he finds out just how tough it is to stay at the front of the pack in a hurry. Well, it is good experience for him, Barney Hall, running up there at the that is idolized for so long. Uh, he's been, uh, he approached this race sort of in a conservative manner. He wanted to take care of the car. He's dropped back so he won't use up the brakes, which I think is a smart way to do it, but he can watch those professionals that's been at it for a long, long time and uh, can gain good experience from it. Nice move for Ron Bouchard down here at the south end of the speedway on the last lap. He squeezed between lap car Greg Sachs and Dave Marcus on the outside to pick up a spot and run away from that pack of traffic. That's a stout horse underneath Bouchard this afternoon, and he's going to pick up the tail end of the second pack of cars as the leaders go up to turn three. Right now, the lead automobile, Bobby Allison, sees Terry Labonte closing in a giant rush. It is now basically nose to tail for first to second as Labonte broke away from Petty and has chased down the leader. There's a real scramble going on back about 12th position right there between Dave Marcus. Jeff Bodine is in the thick of that. So is Ricky Rudd, and they've been hammering typical Martinsville style here since that restart a moment ago. Buddy Baker leads a five-car pack off turn number two. Marcus is right behind him. Ricky Rudd's in the outside group. He's been banging back and forth with Jeff Bodine as Dale Earnhardt, the fifth car in that pack, just sits back there and takes it all in. And at the same time, both Waltrip, Bonnet, Joe Rutman, and now Harry Gant are passing Richard Petty to the inside off turn four. Petty did not make a pit stop, so he's on somewhat worn tires, and that pack just moved right underneath him and hung Richard on the high side. The beaten bang out of turn number two. Bodine, Rudd, and Dave Marcus. Buddy Baker has cleared that group, but they're a passel of them up in turn three. Right now, Ricky Rudd uses the high side with Dave Marcus down low. Bodine tucks in behind Rudd, then Earnhardt, Bill Elliott, Dick Brooks, Richmond, and Kyle Petty. Good door-to-door -door racing here in the south end of the track. Dave Marcus down to the inside. Ricky Rudd on the outside. Jeff Bodine. All four of those cars have swapped a little pain in the last seven or eight laps. Richard Petty was a little concerned about starting back in the middle of the field. That may be one of the reasons he's trying to get himself free of traffic and get to the front, as he talked about that yesterday. Well, yeah, it always bothers you a little bit to start back. I started at Wilkesboro, started back in the field, started at Donathan back in the field and got crashed the first lap, second lap of those races. I didn't feel like it was that much my fault at the time. This is just, uh, I guess, the nature of the beast that, start back there you just have to take those chances with it and uh, 
you know, Barnesville's tough. It takes a long time for him to get strung out. Even if you if you put the pole man back in 10th or 12th place, he's going to get in trouble coming up through there too. So you just have to really be patient and figure that he is five on that break. 11th position on back. It's a good one. They were three wide almost for a second coming off the number two corner. That battle heads to Eli Gold. Dave Marcus, then Ricky Rudd, followed by Earnhardt, and now Rudd tries outside of Dave Marcus. Can't quite make the move. Dave stays down low, but Rudd's not going to give up the chase. And the crowd has been watching Terry Labonte try to climb around Bobby Allison. He's able to get right up on him coming into the corners. Can't do anything with him off the turn as they work back down the front straightaway. Heading back to turn number one, Allison is strong, and if he, Benny Parsons, if he gets it hooked up here like he did up at Bristol a couple of weeks ago, he'll be long gone. He will be long gone, although he doesn't look to be the dominant force that he was at Bristol a couple of weeks ago, but he's putting a few car lengths on Terry Labonte right now, Barney. Down to turn number two, Dale Earnhardt has just made a super move on Ricky Rudd. He got underneath Rudd, moved to the outside on Bodine, and now he's up alongside Dave Marcus to pick up three spots. I'm using the high side of the racetrack. Earnhardt comes down into Marcus. Those two cars touch off turn number four. Marcus still, though, working the inside of the racetrack well. Here comes Earnhardt down to the first corner, and he'll take it in hard on the outside of the Richard Childress own Wrangler Chevrolet. Cuts the car a little bit sideways. Marcus gives him a slap with the right rear quarter panel, and they're still dead even. Earnhardt does a lot of what he likes to call framming and jamming here at Martinsville, and I asked him if the beat and bang is, is it kind of as much fun for the drivers to knock around a little bit as it is for the fans to watch it? Not really. You get to racing close, you slip a little and race a little. You can run at Martinsville and rub a little and run through the corner side by side and not hurt each other, and that's, that's sort of fun and exciting in itself, and it does, as long as you don't upset you or the other guy, but... Uh, a lot of times somebody goes down, slips, and hits somebody real hard and gets them sideways. Then the tempers flare up, and then they start framing back and forth. And it'd be like, you know, 1980, uh, Marcus and I were hung up down the back stretch. I went around and around and whizz of framing and bamming and ended up I still won the race. But, uh, you know, and, and I got mad at Marcus, and Marcus got mad at me, and then we got over it before the race over. After the race, we talked, and everything was all right. So, you know, it's a... Uh, a 500-lap race here, you, you know, you can go from happy to sad to mad to glad to, you know, after the race is over with, you, you're either happy or sad and going home one way or another, you know. Well, that framing and bamming that Dale Earnhardt was talking about, about a moment ago is going on between the two Wrangler cars in front of Eli Gold. Earnhardt using the inside, then the outside, now tries to pass Ricky Rudd to the outside. No shot as they go back to turn one. And Ricky will come ahead in that position. Earnhardt been hounding in the last couple of laps. And they, like we said, there's no love loss between these two. They're not particularly team cars, although Wrangler sponsors both cars. They make it very clear, both drivers, that they are not considered teammates. They're each out there to do the absolute best they can. They won't give anything to each other as they race each other extremely hard. And there may be a third factor sneaking up behind both of them, and that's the form of Tim Richmond. He likes to get a piece of that also, and if he can get in there, it'll be a three-way fram and bam. They're heading back to three. But for the moment, Ricky Rudd has pulled away, and as we'll watch further towards the point, Jeff Bodine, who is probably right now working best on the racetrack outside of anyone with the exception of the two lead automobiles, Bodine has worked beneath Richard Petty and heads him to the line. Leader is in heavy traffic in the back straightaway. Bobby Allison just out there getting around the racetrack as well as you would ask him to. And, Ned, this must be a surprise because he did not make a pit stop a moment ago, did not change tires. He's got, what, 77 laps on those tires, and he's still running away from the cars that did come in, even make some adjustments and change rubber. Benny Parsons and I were talking about that during the commercial break a moment ago, uh, Barney. That could be bad news for the rest of the crew for a car to work that well on the heated-up tires. Now, Allison spent a lot of time here this week 
in, in running without breaks. I, every practice session, I'd see him go out there and he'd back off just past the, the start-finish line, let the car drift into the corner, getting that car set up so it would get around the racetrack. He knows that they slow down. The qualifying speed uh, elapsed time was 21.17 for Joe Rutman. Allison was practicing at 21.90 to 22 seconds. He knew that they were going to slow down to that pace in the race, and he could do that comfortably. And I'll tell you, that's a good, smart way to do it. He's got that car dialed in. You do your homework, it'll pay off for you a lot of times. Right now, Tim Richmond is locked up in a battle with Dale Earnhardt. Now, they love to swap paint, sheet metal, and anything else that comes along as they battle on the racetracks all over the country. They're door-to-door. They tag a little bit coming out of the corner. An interested spectator sitting here in the booth with us this afternoon, the team manager for special events down at the Wrangler Bluebell Division down in Greensboro, North Carolina, is David Allen. You like to see these two cars, your two cars, we'll call them, get out there and get at it, don't you? Barney, anytime we're running out there in the race, we like to see it. And you're right about one thing. They make it real clear to us they are not teammates. Well, they don't give, as we said, they don't give each other anything on the racetrack. It's been a good vehicle for Wrangler, for the jeans business, and it's been good for the racing division to have the kind of sponsorship you folks have put on two cars this year. This has been exceptionally well for us. It's a very good vehicle for us to use as marketing in the southeast, and the fans have responded uh, just almost unbelievably to the tune of buying the Wrangler products. And we're definitely committed to NASCAR racing, and uh, we're extremely happy with Dale and Ricky this year. Well, they're putting on quite a show here this afternoon, and I think they're both going to be winners, both going to be at Victory Lane before the year's out. Nice no, to have you with us, Dave. Thank you, Barney. Thank goodness for MRN. It sure is good to have you guys uh, do the races when I can't go to them, because that sure helps us out a lot. Okay, we'll let David Allen get back over to the lounge and watch and see what happens between his two cars here this afternoon. Tim Richmond is one of the cars on the move. He's gone by Dale Earnhardt on the inside, and now in turn three, he's underneath Dale Jarrett. Out diving Jarrett's car into the corner. Neil Bonnet. Has... Car. That's Neil Bonnet, Ned. Yes, he has. He slowed as he came off of turn four, so something is wrong with one of the Budweiser cars down on the inside of the track. It looks like the engine is still running, but something is wrong. We'll check on it and see what the problem is. Neil has had a frustrating year, and he told me the other day that a lot of folks expected him to just jump in one of Junior's cars and set the world on fire, but it doesn't work that way. They've got very talented people, as much so across the creek up in Ingle Hollow, North Carolina, where Junior builds both race cars, as they do over in Darrell Waltrip's team, but to come with a new driver and put a new group of people together, or some new ones and some old ones, and make it click the first four or five races, if it happens, it is a highly unusual circumstance in this business, but he's not discouraged. He knows they'll get it together. It's just going to be a matter of time. Well, Barney, he stayed out on the track. He slowed down quite a bit, but now he seems to be back up to speed again, so he did not make a pit stop. They had a frustrating weekend. Yesterday, that car caught fire under the hood on pit road during one of the practice sessions. They had an underfoot fire during a race several weeks ago, and it just has not been the best early season for Neil Bonnet. We're 85 laps into the Sovereign Bank 500 at Martinsville. Bobby Allison continues to lead in the Miller Time Buick. Second, the Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet of Terry Labonte. Third is the Budweiser car. That's Darrell Waltrip. In fourth, the Levi Garrett Chevrolet for Joe Rutman, and Rutman wants the third spot. He's underneath Waltrip as they come up out of turn number two. Greg Sachs in the high groove dead ahead of them. They're battling for third spot. Rutman stays inside of Waltrip, and they'll stay side by side through the corner. Again, Sachs does have the inside groove ahead of Rutman, but Joe will make the move off the corner and pull away from Waltrip. And Waltrip wisely just comes out of the throttle. He knows there's a long ways to go. We're just 87 laps into the 500 here this afternoon. No big deal to lose the position at this juncture of the race. So for the moment, he'll settle back into fourth position. From the Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Last night, the Nashville Bush Late Model Sportsman Series race, the Nashville 200, 
It was won by Jack Ingram in the Skull Bandit car. Sam Ard was second. We have trouble in turn three as Bodine got into Ron Bouchard, but Bouchard gathers the car back in, and they'll come off turn four side by side with a good piece of driving by Bouchard. He was heading for the wall. And Bodine's one of those fellows who's going to be a little worn out today. He ran 250 laps yesterday here at Martinsville. Both Darrell Waltrip and Dale Jarrett ran last night down in Nashville, and Ned, they didn't get back here until what time this morning? Six o'clock this morning before they got back to Martinsville. They, of course, uh, flew over in Darrell's airplane, but when they got back in here, the weather was so they couldn't land here. They flew around a while and finally had to land over Greensboro and then drive in here. Of course, an hour's difference in the time between Nashville and here, plus the change in the time as we go into the daylight savings time. So that was a long night for both of those guys. So I'll tell you, if they run 500 laps here this afternoon, it's going to be tough on them. Richard Penny gets a little bit sideways coming off the number two corner. He does not have his car dialed into his liking here at this particular racetrack either, although he's the winningest driver ever, not only in NASCAR, but also at the Speedway with 15 under his belt. The leader is Bobby Allison, having just an outstanding run here this afternoon. If Allison can get in the lead not only on a major Speedway, but also on a short track, and particularly on a short track where he can set the pace, drive his own race, kind of make everybody come to him and play his game, he is almost totally unbeatable. In the early going here this afternoon, that's exactly what he is doing. He's pulled away from Terry Labonte by almost a full straightaway right now as they chase back into turn number three. Barney Hall, uh, the situation on Neil Bonnet, Junior Johnson said that somebody hit him in the back end so hard that it jerked his hand. He thinks that he has a hand broken. They've gone to get Mike Alexander. Mike is down there in the pits now standing by for Neil Bonnet. And, Benny, I guess you could get hit hard enough that you could uh, maybe fracture a, a Oh, bonnet. I'm sure you could, Ned, because that's happened to me many, many times when I used to drive dirt. The, the tires would continue to lock up, and it would almost break. I have never broken a hand, but I'm sure it could be done. And I thought maybe that something like that happened to Bonnet because he was going very slow, and then he crept around for about a lap, and then he was back up to speed. I thought maybe that he had gotten the car sideways and thought he had a flat tire, but uh, he's in pain right now if that's, if that's the case. Neil Bonnet limping around the south end of the speedway, and we can see just one hand on the steering wheel, apparently still driving with just one hand. He hasn't gotten himself in any close-quarter traffic, so he does not get in a jam right now. And the situation is Mike Alexander standing by maybe to go in that car. They'll stay out there, probably at Neil's discretion, as long as he can stand the pain if that's the problem on it, and hope for a caution to get him in the pits and maybe put Mike Alexander in. I asked Neil yesterday just how far away he thought the team was from coming together. Marty, you think it could happen any time, you know, We've, we've had the car in good shape a couple of times this year to possibly win. Uh, the short track at Richmond was a good race for us. We were in a position there to possibly win, and hopefully we can carry that over here with this short track. And uh, the, the way the thing I look at it, the car's there, the guys are doing a good job. If, if I do my job in a car like I should, we could win any given weekend, turn right back and win, around and win the following week. The team is that good. It's just a matter of when it first happens. We talk about the uh, freight train drafts running at Talladega and Daytona. There's a 12-car draft here at Martinsville right now, but it's going on outside the Speedway gates. The Roanoke Transportation Museum and the Norfolk and Western Railroad ran a fan trip down here to Martinsville and brought several hundred race fans, and they're just doing a run-by here along the freight-only tracks that haven't seen passenger train traffic in many years. Dave Helmer in the Roanoke Transportation Museum put that trip together. So a lot of folks come down here on the train from Roanoke, park right on the back stretch, and walk to their seats. It was a nice promotion. Well, if they're going to have a seat this afternoon, they're almost going to have to stay on the train because this place is jammed to the rafters, literally is, at Martinsville. Still an overcast day. Looks like uh, there could be a, a sprinkle or two. That was a forecast, about a 30% chance of any showers. But if it stays like this, it'll almost be ideally perfect racing weather the rest of the day. The leader, Bobby Allison. He's just going off the number two corner, about to put Buddy 
Baker a lap down in the Valvoline machine. It's a good straightaway link back to the second place car of Terry Labonte. The battle's going to be for third right now as Jeff Bodine goes after Joe Ruttman in turn three. And Bodine just sweeps right by Ruttman to the inside and takes him by a car length now as they work the corner three and four. We told you earlier that Bodine all of a sudden when the track began to change and it already has begun to change just a bit Bodine's car seemed to hook up automatically and he's really taken off now. Bobby Allison has a 4.3 second lead on Terry Labonte, and that's the most that anybody has seen all day. There's about five lap cars separating Allison from Labonte. Labonte taking it down at about two or three hundredths of a second per lap, but he's not making any sizable dent in Allison's lead. 103 laps on the board here at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500. Allison has had a totally frustrating season, and frustration is simply the only way to put it. He's either been red hot or ice cold. Well, it really is. Uh, I hate the word frustration, but uh, that some of the problems we've had this year, I just cannot believe. Bobby Allison talking about his slow start this year. He told me he hadn't given up on winning his second championship. He said, we've spotted the other teams an awful lot of points, but we got plenty of time to get them back. 104 laps on the board. Leader is Allison right now, and Eli Gold, the way he's threading his way through traffic, running any lane he wants to, that car is very much dialed in to Martinsville. The car's working awfully well, Barney. At the same time, however, we're seeing some established teams whose cars are not getting around the racetrack pretty well, and I've got to believe this is a little bit earlier than we have normally seen for some of the cars to really become out of tune with what's going on in the racetrack. So as well as Bobby Allison is working, and now he's gotten by Bill Elliott, he goes around Dean Combs coming off turn four. There are four other cars directly in front of him, but he's working well, but some others are also struggling. Well, Allison just a minute ago put a lap on the Valvoline machine, the Wood Brothers car for Buddy Baker. Baker said the Ford's running pretty well here at Martinsville, but he thought they might be a little off as far as having a chance to win the race today. Yes, Barney, the car is running extra good down the straightaway, and uh, that's the only one thing that you got to remember when you're running the Ford. They don't shut down as quick as Chevrolet. They don't turn as many RPMs, and the car goes into the corner quicker. And uh, it's real easy to just jump on a brake pedal and run out of brakes before you ever get started. Now... It can be a frustrating day at any racetrack, and it is already here at Martinsville for several drivers. Harry Gant has had problems. He's having to play catch-up. Richard Petty has also gone a lap down now. He'll have to play catch-up the rest of the afternoon here also. His car's not working to his liking at all. Buddy Baker has fallen a lap behind at this particular juncture of the race. And we were talking earlier, if you joined our broadcast late, about socking the gear to Buddy Baker's car, is what Leonard Wood said yesterday might do, whatever they did to the car. They... They are probably one of the hardest working teams in the business. Ned, you have a lot of history with the Wood Brothers as myself. I guess we've been around about since they have almost in one sense. They put as much effort into a race car as anyone. And whatever it takes, I don't care if they need to change everything on the car. If they think it'll work better, they don't mind doing it. Sometimes, even though they may be one of the best teams in the business, you take a gamble that this will work or that will work. Today, it's not. No, it's not working for them, Barney, but you're right. Hard work has been the key to their success over the years. Of course, normally they'll stick pretty well to basics, but if there is something that they need to try, they don't mind doing the work to give something new a shot so they can improve their position. But uh, the Ford isn't working quite as well for them here today as uh, they'd like for it to. But as you mentioned earlier, they don't really have what is called a short track car. And when you build a car, there are certain little things that you can build into it that will help it to go better on particular racetracks. And so when they build cars during the winter months, they do. They build a short track car and they build a car for what they call the intermediate tracks and then for the super speedways like Talladega next week. And they're all just a little bit different. 
I can't believe, Barney, the difference between Bobby Allison's car and Richard Petty's car. Both of those machines stayed on the racetrack during the caution flag, so they're both on tires that are much more worn than the rest of the field. Allison's car is right out front and handling as well as anything on the racetrack, where Petty has gone from the front of the field to fall one lap down after 119 laps completed. Well, I think Ned hit the key on the head there earlier this afternoon when he said that they had worked since they came here. Every time the track was open for practice, they were out there. They were doing whatever they needed to do, and Allison told me just that yesterday that they had worked, continued to get the car right. Well, we're hoping so. Uh, we've worked on the car for a day and a half now, and uh, we've improved it some, but I don't know uh, whether we've made it good enough or not. It's good enough right now. Whether it'll be good enough at the end of the day here, we'll find out. Allison is the leader. Riding along in second now is Jeff Bodine, dropping back to the third spot, or moving up to the third spot, I should say, would be Ricky Rudd. And there must be a problem on the Terry Labonte car also, Benny Parsons, because usually that's one of their better short track teams in the business, and they were right up there on Allison a moment ago when they put him back under green. Now he's continually sliding back to the field. I think the problem uh, is not Terry Labonte. I just think there's some cars that are really hooked up. I'm very, very impressed with Jeff Bodine and the all-star racing car. Uh, Ricky Rudd is coming on very, very strong, and Ron Bouchard is making a serious run to the front. Good battle among three cars down here at the south end of the speedway. Just kind of keeping an eye on one another. That would be Labonte, Rutman, the pole sitter, and Bouchard. Bouchard's been the tail wagging that dog, working inside, outside, trying to find a way up through. But one of the drivers that impresses here certainly is Bodine, the second-place driver in that Northwestern Security Life Insurance Chevrolet. He ran 250 laps here, and it was a tough 250 yesterday. They suffered a flat tire on two occasions, got two laps down, but yet he was rewarded with a seventh-place finish. And he says 250s, as heck, he says just 500 laps here will really work a driver pretty good. Sure, you know, you run down in the corner. Yeah, I guess you take a deep breath and run down in there and try to slow it down. And once you get down into these corners, they're pretty rough on the bottom. The, the concrete they have down there is pretty bumpy, and that, that really shakes you around. And, of course, uh, the wheels are trying to come off the ground when, when you're going over those bumps. So you got to work the steering wheel and work the gas pedal and the brake pedal to, to get the car around the corner. And then you stand on it coming off, and, of course, you know, the car can get loose or can push, so you're constantly working out here. Uh, it's really a tough racetrack, and it, it does keep you busy. There's a three-and-a-half-second separation right now between Bobby Allison and Jeff Bodine, who rides in the number two spot. Set the field for you a little further back. Still in third, Ricky Rudd. Fourth is Labonte. Fifth is Rutman. Sixth is Bouchard. Seventh right now is Darrell Walter. He's beginning to slide back through the field a little more also. Eighth is his teammate, Neil Bonnet. Ninth, NASCAR is still posting Tim Richmond. Good run for that team here today. In 10th spot, that's Dave Marcus. 11th, good run for Tommy Ellis. And also an outstanding run for Dale Jarrett in his first outing in one of the heavier Grand National cars in comparison to what he's run in the sportsman division. It is a big transition, kind of hard. He's holding his own pretty good back there in 12th position. 13th right now is Dale Earnhardt, and 14th is Kyle Petty. They're still posting those cars at 120 laps as being in the lead lap. One lap back in 15th position, that's Morgan Shepard. 16th right now is Richard Petty. 17th is Bill Elliott. 18th spot right now is Buddy Baker. 19th is Dick Brooks in the Comedian Sunglasses car. And in 20th spot would be hometown favorite Buddy Arrington. And despite uh, the front end and rear end sheet metal damage to a good number of these cars, it's not been the demolition derby that we're accustomed to seeing here at Martinsville in years past. There have only been two cautions. If you joined us late, the first one came out on the very first lap. Coming off turn number four, Mike Alexander tangled with Dale Jarrett. Phil Parsons spun, uh, or didn't spin his car, put it sideways to avoid him. And Alexander's car ended up on the front end of the pit road retaining wall. Then on the 43rd lap, Harry Gantz spun around up in turn number four. He and Tommy Ellis T-boned. 
Now up in turn number three and four. Gant was able to get away and make repairs, but he's now two laps down to the field. Ellis was able to remain on the lead lap. That's other than that, we've been caution-free. And right now we've got 130 laps completed with Allison leading Bodine, Rudd, Labonte, and Rutland. I told you a moment ago that Neil Bonnet may have a hand that is giving him a fit in the race car and that Mike Alexander had gone to his pits and might be getting in the car. That situation has not transpired yet. Ned, do you have any late word on that of what they might do? We do not have. He's still standing by in those pits, uh, Barney. Of course, they're hoping to catch a caution and make that change, but so far, as you mentioned a while ago, none has come out. Bobby Allison's the leader. Jeff Bodine is second. Third is Ricky Rudd. Fourth is Terry Labonte. And fifth is Joe Rutman. From the Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Had a little bit of disagreement at the Jeff Bodine birthday party yesterday that his fan club put on. Harry Hyde, the crew chief, got up and said, well, our team's coming together, and we took a bunch of people that didn't have any racing background or experience, pipe fitters and car salesmen and folks, and made a race team out of them. He says, we're not quite ready to win yet. He said, but we're working on it. Jeff got up there, and he says, oh, yes, we are. He says, we're going to give a good run at it tomorrow, and he's doing just that. He's had a good run here this afternoon. In fact, as I think Ned pointed out over at Bristol a few weeks ago, the team certainly is one to be reckoned with, and a lot of folks thought that Harry Hyde might not be able to put a winning team together again, that he had in a sense, maybe lost his touch because he had not been with a regular Grand National team over the last few years, but that's not the case. Harry's been at just about every race, whether he was working on some of the young drivers' cars part-time or whether he was here full-time with the team or whatever. He's one of the few men in this business. He's one of the innovators in the business. Was back in the early days with a K&K car of Nord Kroskoff and the K&K team for so many years. He set records all over the country in just about every kind of racing, including stock cars with Bobby Isaac and Buddy Baker, who drove so many years for him, and Dave Marcus posted a lot of wins in that car. Harry has never lost touch with his sport, and Bodine confirmed that yesterday. For sure. You know, he, he might not have had a car out there and, and working full-time on one, but he, he's been around and, and watched everybody and learned from their mistakes. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he's really – he'll admit to you that he's got uh, a little bit of learning to catch up on, but uh, we all do. We learn every time we go on a racetrack, so uh, – but I have been real happy, and he's been a real big help, and he's been probably the, the key factor of this team's success. Thoughts of his driver, Jeff Bodine. 141 laps are down. Allison is the leader. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Barney, we're standing by with Doug Richard, the crew chief on Neil Bonnet's car. Doug, any word of how Neil is? Is he okay? Well, it, uh, it's, he's feeling better right now. Uh, at first, uh, we thought it was his hand it was broke, but when you get hit with the steering wheel like you did, uh, it felt a lot worse than it really was. Uh, he came back not too long ago and said it was probably just his thumb and that he's feeling better. But you'll continue to have Mike Alexander to stand by just in case? Yes, sir. Okay, that's Doug Richard, the first chief on the uh, body car. Bobby Allison has been giving Dale Earnhardt a, a uh, Earnhardt a couple of shots in the tail end going into the corners. He's been trying to get around him, and Earnhardt seems determined that he's not going anywhere. That's the situation right now as they go off turn two. Taylor Earnhardt right now has himself just glued in front of Allison, but finally there's a move to the inside by Earnhardt, and Bobby will pull to the outside of the Earnhardt car. So the Wrangler car stays down low, and Bobby Allison will try and put an effort to put Earnhardt a lap down. Allison will move by the Wrangler Chevrolet as they go into turn number one, and he will put Earnhardt indeed one lap down. Now, Bodine had a birthday last week. He officially became middle-aged and reached 35, which is kind of staggering when you consider that everybody calls him one of the rising young stars at this end of the sport. But there's another fellow who has a special reason for wanting to win here today. It would. Tomorrow's my birthday, and uh, that'd be a good birthday present. I thought, you know, we might sit on a pole and be a 
uh, early birthday present, but uh, I'll, I'll settle for the race. That's Dale Earnhardt on Betty Wood. Had a good battle going on last few laps around also between Ron Bouchard and Joe Rutman for fifth position, as right now Bouchard will come away with that spot. Let's check in again on pit road with Ned Jarrett. Barney, we're in the fifth of the Wood Brothers with Leonard Wood. Leonard, you said that you might gear the car on down. Did you do that, or is it not working for you, or how is it going? Well, his brakes went out on it right now, and he doesn't have any brakes. It got hot on him. They just kind of riding it out right now. Okay, is that can as many horses can testify really slow you down here at Martinsville about those brakes? There's a couple things can happen here. The brakes they use on these cars are disc brakes, and they are really huge calibers. But a couple of things can happen. One, the pads and the and the disc itself can heat up to the point where that disc is no longer brake is no longer effective, and it what does what they call fade. So you come down in the corner and push on the pedal, and you get resistance, but nothing happens. Mike other, Joy, Mike Joy, the biggest problem with the brakes here in Martinsville is that the calipers and the rotors get so hot. If this race were ran at night, they would glow. They would be so hot. And what happens is that it it boils the brake fluid. The fluid boils, and therefore uh, there, it gets air in, in the system. And uh, when you hit the brakes, there's no pedal at all. What it really boils down to is if you lose your brakes at Martinsville, you're in a heap of trouble. Good battle going on between Ron Bouchard right now and Terry Labonte. They've been hammering door to door, and that's for fourth position as they work back into turn number three. And Bouchard has the spot going to the inside of Terry Labonte. Waltrip has enjoined that battle, and Joe Rutman got shuffled back three positions on the exchange. And Bobby Allison has his hands full right now with Dave Marcus trying to get around him as they race door to door and have for the last lap around. And Allison slowed a moment ago coming into the south end of the speedway. Car got a little bit out of that lower groove and scooted up on him. Marcus not giving him anything, and they are just stuck together going off the corner, heading back to turn three. Nobody's going to race you any harder any day than will Dave Marcus, and he'll stay to the inside groove entering turn three. Bobby Allison can draw even alongside him, and it's also allowed Jeff Bodine to tighten it up, and so too Ricky Rudd. It'll be a three-way battle for the lead. Benny, this has to be frustrating for you when you're out there like Allison is right now trying to get away from somebody. Marcus trying to hold everything he can, and Bobby's just doing everything he can to get, get free of that traffic and get gone. Well, it is very frustrating, and Bobby Allison right now, the, the fact that he needs tires has never been more dramatized than it is. Uh, Bodine is underneath him coming off turn four. Bodine had a shot at the lead. Marcus closed up that gap and squeezes him back in behind. It also allows Ricky Rudd to catch right up into things there. And I, right now, you're talking about tempers flaring. I guarantee you, you could boil an egg on top of Bobby Allison's head. Allison heads into turn number three and finally cups down in front of Dave Marcus having disposed of the 75 car. Now Bodine has to get by Marcus. He'll do it and chase down to Allison. Marcus gave it a good shot trying to keep from going a lap down, but now Bodine comes up alongside. Ricky Rudd will move up next to the Raymock Racing Pontiac to try and take Dave Marcus off the lead lap. So Allison clears him, and trouble in the backstretch. Dave Marcus's car begins to smoke. He takes out uh, Ricky Rudd, who scoots across the infield. The car comes back onto the racetrack in front of Greg Sachs, who quickly hits the brakes and avoids Ricky Rudd's car. What happened was that Marcus's car seemed to expire an engine the car began to wigwag across the racetrack, and now as he pulls away, Marcus does. Ricky Rudd came along, and he had nowhere to go. The car just catapulted across the racetrack, scooted up through the grassy area, 
then back up onto the racetrack again. Greg Sachs is right there behind Ricky Rudd as the car came onto the racetrack and somehow managed to avoid that automobile. So Marcus is pulled away, and everybody's heading down pit road. Everybody will be on the pits in just a moment. This is going to be a break for some of the drivers, and we'll cover those pit stops when we come back. They're still cleaning up the incident up in turn number three. Ricky Rudd's car sustained very little damage in that tangle with Dave Marcus. They brought it back in the pits to check it one more time, and he'll rejoin the tail end of the field. Dwight Logie has joined us from Pontiac Motor Division. Dwight, formerly the sales promotion manager up there, headed up motorsports and other sales promotion planning, and now he's the Washington Zone manager trying to inflict some Pontiac excitement on the dealers here in, in Maryland and Virginia. And judging by the crowd of new Trans Ams you had out here this morning, looks like you folks are doing quite a job. Well, Mike, uh, we've got 27 Pontiac dealerships represented here today from uh, both the states of Virginia and Maryland, and uh, this has become a semi-annual event. We do it in September and in uh, April, and uh, we have a big crowd that always wants to come. In fact, we got to keep the attendance down sometimes. <laughs> I know that racing has always been a favorite sport of yours. It sure has, and, uh, of course, today uh, the Pontiacs uh, are having a little bit of a tough time, but there's about... Uh, Oh, what, 340 laps left, so we're still holding out for a win. Well, if this keeps up, your Pontiac pace car may lead the, uh, the majority of them. <laughs> That's right. It's doing pretty good out there today. You folks are doing pretty good in the showroom, too, I know, with this limited edition Trans Am, and particularly the new Fiero, the little two-seat sports car has been a big success for you. Well, it sure has. Uh, in our part of the country, uh, the average time of a Fiero in a showroom is 18 hours, so we have very little inventory. <laughs> so we'll advise everybody to rush on down to their dealer and get a look at one while they can. Take Mike, all the business we can get. Thanks for stopping by to see us. You bet, Mike. We're about set to go back to green here very shortly at Martinsville. Let's set the field for you after that round of pit stops, at least the way we get it from NASCAR scoring right now. Bobby Allison, good pit work, puts him back out there. He is still the leader. Jeff Bodine comes off pit road in second position. Third spot is Neil Bonnet. And Ned, any word on whether he stayed in the car or whether he got out on that pit stop? Apparently he stayed in. Yes, he did uh, stay in the car, Barney. They talked with him about it, but as Doug Richard pointed out, it maybe it was not quite as severe as that initial uh, lick, I'm sure. Mike Alexander is walking up through the pits right now, but that initial lick, I'm sure, felt like it perhaps broke it, but as he has run, well, he is feeling a little bit better. So right now, Terry Labonte is posted right behind Jeff Bodine. Then will come Tim Richmond, Ron Bouchard, Darrell Waltrip, and Joe Rutman, as we are still working that caution a moment ago. If you just joined our broadcast in the last few minutes, it's the third caution of the day when Dave Marcus and Ricky Rudd tangled in the middle of the back straightaway, spinning both cars down to the apron of the track, but they will both be able to continue here this afternoon. And Barney, they're continuing to work on the Ranger Ford of Ricky Rudd. Benny Parsons has been watching that action. And then I have, the, they have uh, somehow messed the toe in up. I guess as the car went across the curbing over there, it had probably been a tie rod, a tie rod end. Some of the front end suspension is bent. They're, they have the nuts loose, the bolts loose that uh, control the thing. And they keep adjusting every time they get a chance to come in the pits and adjust the toe in. Benny Parsons mentioned the fact that they, as they get the one-lap signal to go, that this was a very timely pit stop for Bobby Allison because he didn't stop during that first caution. Neither did Richard Petty, so it was good for both of them. Meanwhile, Dale Jarrett was one of those other three cars that did not stop. Just two laps before this caution come out, Dale had brought his Enterprise Chevrolet in for a pit stop. So then he, uh, of course, went another lap down under the green. Benny? Uh, well, Richard Petty did, wasn't so lucky because he came in about three left before oh, the caution play. Neil Bonnet is lined up right next to the leader, Bobby Allison. He lost a lap in the pits on the second lap of this caution flag, and Dick Brooks lost a lap as he pitted under green about ten laps before the caution came out. 
They complete service on Ricky Rudd's car. When you bounce over that curbing at the inside of the racetrack, that curb is about four or five inches high, and it'll definitely knock the front end out of whack. So Ricky will catch the tail end of the field. Pace car dives onto pit road, and we're set to go racing again. Field to come out of turn number four. They haven't been able to do anything with Bobby Allison all afternoon. Let's see if they can now after fresh rubber all the way around on many of the cars as they put them under green and head back into turn number one. Neil Bonnet jumps in front and he'll get his lap back on Bobby Allison as they come off the corner. Kyle Petty gets a little piece of Allison out of the turn. Bodine is there trying to hang on to Allison. They're back in three. The race leader Allison, Bodine is second, Labonte third, Bouchard is fourth car in line, followed by Waltrip, then Joe Rutman and Tommy Ellis. Others working their way back through traffic. Petty. Richard Petty spins out of turn number four to the inside of the racetrack. He misses the inside retaining wall, and he'll come to a stop up in front of Eli Gold. Richard Petty's car pointed the wrong way. The nose is back towards turn number four. We look into the car, and Richard, fiddling with the gear shifter, now gets the car going. He'll do a loop on the racetrack as everyone comes by, so caution on the speedway for the fourth time. Good possibility that Petty got tagged in the banging and beating that was going on back in the middle of the pack there to kind of, that's all it takes is just a little tap coming off that corner and the car will do a 360 on you in a hurry. We went right back under caution on lap 163. Good for Neil Bonney because he was out in front of Bobby Allison. Of course, he now gets to go all the way around and catch up to the end of the field. So Neil Bonnell will get back on the lead lap. He did lose a lap in the pits on the second lap of the last caution. 164 laps complete here. This will be the fourth caution of the day. Allison still the leader, Bodine in second. Third is Labonte, fourth is Bouchard, and fifth is Waltrip. As they line back up, sixth will be Tim Richmond. Seventh will be the 98 car, that's Joe Rutman. Eighth will be Tommy Ellis, and ninth, Ricky Rudd. Those cars are all in the lead lap, and now so too is Neil Bonnet. A lap down, Kyle Petty, Buddy Baker, Morgan Shepard, Bill Elliott, Dale Earnhardt, and the Dave Marcus car. Two laps back will be Dale Jarrett, Rusty Wallace, uh, Buddy Arrington, Dick Brooks, and Phil Parsons, Richard Petty, will now go three laps down as the leader went by him just prior to Petty getting his car back in gear and getting to the caution flag. As the field is still under caution, Kyle Petty will put the 7-11 forward in the back pits for some quick service. We're talking about just how frustrating it gets here at Martinsville when you're caught back in traffic and maybe a car that's... Oh, a couple of tenths slower than you might be can get in front of you in traffic here at Martinsville, and as Darrell Waltrip and many of the drivers will tell you, he can really hold you up all day. Now, some drivers are able to deal with this. It doesn't seem to bother them that much because they just bide their time and ride along there. And for some drivers, they really, really get frustrated. Harry Gant told me that he was one of those that did. So hard, especially for me. A lot of drivers do keep their temper here, but I, I get aggravated on the racetrack awfully bad here at Darling, here at uh, Martinsville. And I said, start to say here at Darling, and Darling the same way last week. Yeah. Now, the slow traffic is just getting to be such a problem that uh, it, uh, what, it, what the deal is, we've got like 20 cars now that's running real close together. And those 20 have progressed way ahead of the other 20 in speed. And you got two categories of cars racing out. you got a big group. you got 20 and 20, you know. And, and uh, it's just that uh, it seems like they know that you're not going to, everybody runs for points and they're not going to uh, cut them close or something. They said, well, I'll just go on. They can pass me the best way I can. But... You know, they just don't move over anymore like they used to, and they they just take their time going through the corner in the middle or wherever, you know. And what he's really getting down to is it can be frustrating. We're about to go back to green here at Martinsville, 166 on the board. Harold Kinder will wave the green, and Bobby Allison will lead the charge into turn one. Richard Petty is right there with him down on the inside. He may try to get one of his laps back as they come into the number one corner. They're door-to-door, -door, trade a little paint and sheet metal as they go off the turn. Still riding door-to-door, -door, heading for three. But finally, it's Bobby Allison midway down the back straightaway who pulls past the STP Pontiac and leads that car into turn number three. Jeff Bodine is second in the race. 
the third car in line, and right behind him, Labonte and Bouchard. Down to turn number one, Jeff Bodine on the low side of the racetrack, lined up behind Richard Petty. Bouchard clears the Morgan Shepard automobile. Now he's the fourth place car right behind Terry Labonte. Then Darrell Waltrip battling up against Dale Earnhardt. Waltrip has the outside groove in that two-car battle and still can't tuck in. Right behind Waltrip, Joe Ruckman helps push him along. And then the Tommy Ellis car off turn four. And Barney Hall caught in the pits was Dave Marcus. They changed the axle on the car number 75, so he lost a couple of extra laps. During that caution, Ricky Rudd kept coming in, and they're making adjustments on the toe end of that car. They don't know if they got it right or not, but they continue to make adjustments right up until the green flag drop. Ricky was in and out of the pit several times. Carr is not up to par. You can look in the field and tell that because he is not making any ground, just barely being able to hold his own at the tail end of the field. Leader is Allison. Richard Petty tried to get one of his laps back on him a moment ago. Allison dispensed with him. Petty's still able to run on the rear bumper, but that's about all he's able to do. Bodine trying to catch up to him. He's in second spot. Then comes the third-place car of Terry Labonte. The field is back in three. And Joe Rutman, who finds himself out of the groove, he gets kicked back by both Earnhardt, Tommy Ellis, and now by Tim Richmond. So Allison will be the leader. 170 laps completed. Bodine is second. Third is Terry Labonte. Fourth, Ron Bouchard. In the fifth spot, Darrell Waltrip. Tim Richmond is sixth. Joe Rutman has the seventh spot. He battles with Deal Bonnet for that position. We'll be right back. Everybody in Martinsville enjoying the scenery, the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, and some hard knocking racing here at Martinsville Speedway. Bobby Allison out in front of the field. Jeff Bodine riding in the second spot. Terry Labonte third. Ron Bouchard fourth as they run pretty much single file. Darrell Waltrip's the fifth place car. Then Tim Richmond and Neil Bonnet. And Eli, that battle's gone back single file. That battle had been a pretty good one for a short while as Neil Bonnet and Tim Richmond were bouncing one off the other. And Joe Rutman had joined the battle as well. But right now, as you say, it is single file. Richmond, then Bonnet, Joe Rutman. And those cars have, uh, for the moment, dispensed with all other race traffic. Leader is Allison. He's off the number two corner. Richard Petty's been able to run with him. Petty is strong right now. Couldn't had his lap back for a moment just a second ago, but Allison kicked him right back behind him right now, so Richard's a couple of laps down. The second-place car, Jeff Bodine, is right behind Richard Petty, who is the sandwich between himself and Allison. He's been strong here all afternoon, and that team is just keeps coming on better and better every week. Third-place car, that's Terry Labonte. He is so due for a win also, and so is Ron Bouchard. That team just gets stronger and stronger. They lose some time in the pits once in a while. It costs them a little bit on the racetrack, but Bouchard's driving ability and the preparation on the car this season has really been a standout almost every racetrack we've been to. Darrell Waltrip, don't count him out. We haven't talked about him a lot this afternoon. He's riding along back there in fifth position. He's a patient race driver. He knows what it takes to win here at Martinsville. He knows you need to lead if you can, but if you realize that the only way you can lead is to punish that car, then you need to get back somewhere else and just save your equipment and think your way into victory lane. You, you just... Uh you got to run hard here because everybody does, but you got to know that those brakes are only so thick, those pads are only so thick on those brakes, and that engine can only stand 8,200 RPM so many laps so long. So it really is up to the driver to take care of that race car and be around to finish. He's been around at the finish six times in victory lane here at Martinsville over the last few years. Well, Allison looks like he's out for a Sunday drive. He doesn't appear... Uh... Benny and Ned to be abusing the equipment. He keeps it real low on the racetrack. The track really hasn't gone to the point where anybody's up in that second groove. And watching Bobby through the south end of the speedway, he doesn't appear to be sawing away at the wheel. And he's, he's really got a nice controlled and uh, nice smooth drive going. The car does look very comfortable for him, uh, Mike Joy. And, of course, that's one of the keys to winning here. And I don't think that he's having to abuse that car at all uh, sitting out front there where he's running right now. And 
I tell you, he's, uh, as we mentioned earlier, he did a lot of work. He did their homework here, wanting to win here. He's never won on this racetrack, and I think he was bugging other people more than it was bugging him, but as they talked to him about it, well, then it began to get a little next to him, so he wants to rectify that situation. We're 185 laps into the Sovereign Bank 500 at Martinsville in front of a packed house, a full house. They told us a moment ago, what, 37,000-plus here this afternoon, and they've been selling standing room tickets only earlier this afternoon place is completely jammed and watch one of the better short track races around the country and they're seeing a pretty good show this afternoon. Well, not only is it one of the better shows, Barney, it's also the richest short track NASCAR race in history. There's a quarter million dollars up for grabs here this evening, $250,300 to be exact in this Sovereign Bank 500. Yesterday, they paid out over $55,000 in the Miller Time 250 for the NASCAR modified car, so it's really a rich weekend of short track racing, and the fans have just come out in record numbers to support that here at Martinsville. It's almost inconceivable to think that Bobby Allison has never won here as many times as he has raced here in his long Winston Cup career. He's won at every other NASCAR Winston Cup track that's currently on the circuit. But in March, in the sportsman race, Jack Ingram, the veteran sportsman driver, the Ironman from Asheville, North Carolina, did something that he hadn't won in, done in 20 years. He finally won a race in Martinsville, so Bobby must figure it's his turn. Well, we talked to Allison the other day, and he said, he said the first 10 years, or I said, I said the first 10 years you came here and didn't win, it probably didn't bother you because you figured you could probably get it dialed in sooner or later. Yeah, and in the third 10, it really gets tough. Uh, I, I, I've run good here so many times and been up front right close to the end and have something go wrong. It's just kind of baffling to uh, try to figure out why. May be his day here this afternoon. 189 on the board. Allison is in front by a margin of about two car lengths back to third spot it's a, maybe a second back to Terry Labonte and fourth right now is Ron Bouchard fifth is Darrell Walter from the Martinsville Speedway this is MRN the Motor Racing Network there's been a change at third spot Ron Bouchard has snuck underneath the Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet of Terry Labonte and the Race Hill Farms Buick has now moved up into the third spot Labonte kind of uh, returned the favor with a slap at the back bumper of Bouchard's car last time by here at the south end of the speedway, but now Ronnie's able to open up a car length or two on Labonte, who's fourth. Waltrip remains in the fifth spot. Laps set 194 right now in the Sovereign Bank 500 here at Martinsville. Race pretty well stabilizes here. You'll see spurts of 20 and 30 and 50 and 60 laps sometimes. Half the field's out there just as Dale Earnhardt phrased it earlier, framming and bamming all day long. Then the field will kind of string out and they'll ride for 40 or 50 laps. Benny, I guess you almost see that in any racetrack we go to, though. Well, you do see. The first 100 laps, I think everybody's trying to figure out how good they are that day, how good they are versus the competition. And then you got a two or three hundred lap segment that you've got to sit there and just, you know, be there for the last hundred laps. And uh, Bo Nine, I think, right now is probably the only guy on the racetrack that really has got something to prove. And I would expect to see him put a pretty serious challenge on Bobby Allison as soon as he catches him. But Bodine is driving a smart race. He hasn't put his car in a place it didn't need to be all afternoon. There have been a couple of times with a car sandwiched in between or a traffic situation where he might have gambled to get underneath Bobby or get somewhere in the vicinity to move up a spot or two and show what he could do. He's in no hurry. And in that respect, he is really coming along as a driver. Well, he's one of this track's winningest drivers of all time, Barney, if you count his modified and, and sportsman victories. And, and he's learned here in those 250 lappers that winning at Martinsville, the key is just patience and to be there at the finish. You do. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the secret and key to any Grand National race is patience to be around at the end. But here at Martinsville, it is particularly hard on a race car with the brakes. And, uh, and being such a tight racetrack as Martinsville, you can get in trouble real quick. So you, 
This is one track you really have to be patient at. At 190 laps, we're at 198 right now. Set the field for you back through, oh, about 15th or 18th position. Allison, the leader, Bodine second, Labonte third, fourth, Bouchard, fifth, Darrell Walter, sixth would still be Tommy Ellis. Good run for that team here this afternoon. Seventh, another outstanding run for the old Milwaukee team of Tim Richmond. And what a start he had here some few years ago. I'll never forget that. He brought out about half the cautions all day long. And we'll talk with him about that before the afternoon is gone. In eighth spot, Neil Bonnet. If you heard us say earlier that Bonnet might have suffered a broken hand or have some damage to his hand in a rear-end collision earlier in the race, he did have some pain in the hand, but he has stayed in the car. Mike Alexander did not go in the car, and he is still in there. Neil Bonnet is still at the controls of that machine, riding in eighth position. Joe Ruttman is ninth. Tenth right now is Ricky Rudd. Eleventh, one lap down. Morgan Shepard, good run for him today also. Riding 12th is Dale Earnhardt, 13th is Buddy Baker, 14th is Bill Elliott, 15th is Kyle Petty, 16th would be the rookie driver, Rusty Wallace in the Gatorade car, 17th, pretty good run here this afternoon for Dale Jarrett, as you heard Ned say, it's good experience for him to get in here, and I guess in one way on a short track, that's the place to start, because if you're going to get some bumps and knocks, you can get away with it on a place like this. Buddy Arrington is in the 19th position, riding along right now for Martinsville, Virginia, hometown favorite here. He's had a frustrating year also. A couple of years ago, he had his best in Winston Cup racing, and this year he is really struggling. Just some bad luck, and a lot of things have happened to that team. You mentioned the good run that Dale Jarrett is having. Of course, Dale, if, if you're not aware, or if you've been in hiding for the last couple of years, he is Ned Jarrett's younger son. Both Dale and Glenn have had a pretty good sportsman career, and it's Dale's first outing in Winston Cup competition. And, we asked Dale yesterday if there's any extra pressure due to the fact that, you know, his dad's going to be right up there in the pit tower watching and calling the action while you're out there. Well, I really don't think that much. The only way that I think about it is it's a big plus on my side because it does help me get uh, some good sponsorship and a good ride like this. I think that definitely had to help in me getting a ride uh, with Emmanuel Savakis because uh, they're some of the best drivers uh, in Grand National Racing been in this car. So uh, I, I look at it as a plus. Uh, no pressure. Uh, my dad was a great driver in his time, and uh, now it's my time. Whatever I do is up to me, so uh, I'll just have to make my own. I guess kind of like you say, Ned, only one of you can sit in the car. <laughs> That's exactly right, uh, Mike Joe, even though there are times that you might like to help him out a little bit, but you can't do that. I think another driver that we haven't mentioned here this afternoon, as Ricky Rudd goes on the inside of Dale Jarrett down in uh, turn one, is Phil Parsons. He's the younger brother of Benny Parsons. Phil uh, started at the rear, but almost immediately he lost a cylinder, so he's been running on seven cylinders. He's the leading Champion Spark Plug rookie contender coming into this Sovereign Bank 500, but he has stayed out there and has run well even though he's running on seven cylinders. He's been pretty pleased with his season this year. I think so. I was hoping to do better, naturally, but uh, we managed to, you know, get a good top ten finish at Darlington, even though we had a problem early in the race and lost six laps with an oil leak, but we managed to persevere and, you know, keep running and end up finishing eighth, so... Uh, you know, we were really pleased about that. It was the first top ten finish by a, or the best finish by a rookie since 1982. So we were pretty pleased about that. But you know, we hope to do better. We hope to crack that top five. You know, that's that's really what we're shooting for. You know, we know it's going to be very difficult to come out here and win. But my sponsor school understands that. My car owner and crew all understand that. So that you know, they've got a lot of patience with me, and I really appreciate that.
The average speed at the end of 200 laps is not a record here at Martinsville right now, but there is a good battle going on for the lead off the number two corner, and it looks like Jeff Bonine is going to take it away from Bobby Allison. He does. They're back in three. He got a great jump off turn four the last time through, Barney, and just out-dragged Allison back towards turn number one, and now coming past again, it is Bodine with the lead. He's got a car length and a half on Allison. Jeff Bodine now pulls away from Bobby Allison, and Benny Parsons, Allison is a master at making you use up your equipment. We're just sitting here in the tower a moment ago talking about Jeff Allison. Might have put out a little bait for him, let him think he could do this or that and the other, make him run in the corners a little hard because Allison looks at that scoreboard up in the north end of the speedway, the Winston scoreboard, and he knows there's almost 300 laps to go, so he can afford to give a little. Well, I think he can't afford to give something right now, but he's not running as well as he was to begin with, Barney. Uh, Ron Bouchard in the 47 car, the Race Hill Farm car, has gained on Bodine and Bobby when Bobby was leading the race, so uh, I don't, so for some reason, Bobby's tires, may th maybe this time is not quite as good. Ned has something. There's uh, activity in the Joe Rutman pits right now, the pole center. We're watching them. They're up on the, the wall with the tire, so Rutman yep. might have a tire problem. Let me update you on that, Ned. Last time off turn number four, Joe Rutman nearly put the car into a full circle. He straightened it out, went by again, and nearly looped the car again. So possibly an indication he has a tire going down. Rutman's not working in the corners at all. Gets completely out of the groove this time here in one and two. Takes it out in the high lane. We'll probably see him on pit road. He's currently posted in seventh position. 218 laps complete at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500 with Bobby Allison in front a moment ago. Now Jeff Bonine has taken that away and has pulled away a pretty good distance ahead of Bobby Allison, dropping Bobby back to second. Third would be Ron Bouchard. Fourth is Labonte. Fifth right now is Richmond. Sixth is Walter. The seventh place car is Rutman. He is still out of the racetrack, not yet on pit road. Riding in eighth position, Neil Bonnet. Ninth good run, as we said a moment ago, for the Tommy Ellis car. And G.C. Spencer and that team and in tenth spot is Ricky Rudd. Lap ago, those two cars swapped positions, so we'll move Ricky up to the ninth spot ahead of Tommy Ellis. Coming back onto the track, the Canadian driver, Trevor Boys, and we neglected to mention Mike Alexander, who crashed on the first oh, lap. Oh, Jeff that Bodine got sideways. Bodine smokes the tires, gets sideways off turn four. He is off the pace. Allison and everybody else begins to go by. And meanwhile, in the pits, Harry again. And Joe Rutman. Joe Rutman couldn't make it back. He does spin the car between turns three and four. He barely misses hitting the outside retaining wall. He comes down off the banking, and this time he will head back and again not make a pit stop. Harry Gant was on pit road. Let's go back to Ned. Yes, he was. An unscheduled stop for him, Barney, the second time this afternoon that he's come in for a change of right side tires. His crew was hoping that caution would come out, but Ruffin was able to, as Eli pointed out, come on around. But his crew is still cocked and ready to go to service him if and when he does come in. Down on the apron of the track, Rutman up in the north end of the speedway, and let's see if he comes in this time. He is going to come onto pit road, so Rutman's going to make one of those costly green flag stops here at Martinsville. Let's go back to Ned. Well, he comes into the pits, and they go to work on the right side, Barney. Of course, he'll take this opportunity to fill it up with the Union 76 gasoline. The left rear quarter panel on that car is banged in a little bit. doesn't seem to affect it, though, other than the looks of it, as they work feverishly on that right side, changing those tires. Now he's down and away, so a costly pit stop here for Joe Rutman under the green. Well, whatever was the problem with Jeff Bodine's car, he is running again and back up to speed, and slow as Dean Combs, he almost got tail-ended by Bobby Allison at the start-finish stripe. And Allison, who is one of the world's best at dodging adversity, just about collected the whole tail-end of Combs' car. He managed to get through, as did the rest of the field, and Dean Combs will slowly take his car down to pit road, but it was a tense moment there at start-finish. Mike Joy, that'll make him a candidate for the timeless move of the race, because you're right. He... Only a professional of that sort could have avoided tragedy there. 
Well, Bodine, we were mentioning, is back up to speed, and he's on the tail end of uh, right of Ron Bouchard's car. Bodine picked up the speed, and he's back in third spot. Perhaps Ned or Betty could go down and get a word with crew chief Harry Hyde, find out what happened, because Bodine was leading the race. The car almost came to a stop, and then he got going again, and he's running again in third spot. Bobby Allison has gone back into the lead, and Allison, even though being the pro he is for some 25 years in Winston Cup competition around the Tour and knowing how critical Brakes is here at Martinsville, he told me the other day he felt like Brakes might have been part of his problem here over the years. Well, Brakes have been uh, my downfall here at Martinsville on a lot of occasions, yeah. Are you hard on them? Well, I am, and if they start to go away, it seems like I'm worse on them. So Allison will conserve his brakes here today because he knows you have to have some kind of pedal left at the end, particularly if there's somebody pressing you for the win. The only way you can get in victory lane, you've got to have a little something left. 226 laps are complete here at Martinsville Speedway with Allison in front, Bouchard riding second. That team is so due to win a race. They've been so close all year long. They were all year last year came so close to getting in victory lane. They, too, have been one of the teams that have had some problems with putting the right people together to get the right chemistry, as they say, together to make things work. Benny Parsons is down in Harry Hyde's pits uh, with Jeff Bodine's crew chief. Yes, I am, Ben. Harry, what happened to Jeff a moment ago? Well, I think he was trying to save his brakes, uh, Benny, and he got too high. He got up into the marbles, and it rolled him out. Uh, he come back, and he's okay now. The car's running as good as ever right now. Everything's looking good. That's the report from there. Harry Hyde's very pleased with that young driver and very impressed, and I think both sides of that particular coin when they came together this year in the form of Harry Hyde and Jeff Oh, Bodine. Dean Combs coming out of the back pitch. Hits Bouchard, who goes into Richard Petty. Petty ends up between turns three and four, and the car's pointed towards the outside retaining wall. Dean Combs came out of pit road, and here came the traffic diving into turn three. And remember, there is a pit on the back stretch area. Combs came out, and now let's interrupt as Petty rim rides car 43 the wrong way. Petty is now pointed car 43 against traffic going down the back straightaway, staying out of everybody's way. Dean Combs came out of the back pit road area. That's at the spot where the cars dive into the low groove of turn three. Ron Bouchard was there inside of Richard Petty. Combs got into Bouchard. Bouchard got into Petty. Richard ends up pointing the wrong way. He has now righted his automobile, and he's back around in the STP Pontiac. But it was a close exchange there as uh, three cars went for the same spot. Jeff Bodine and Greg Sachs were also involved in that one. It looks, Ned, like everybody's on pit road. Yes, they are, Mike, and they're changing right side tires at the moment. I suspect we'll see some of them come back in for left side tires, a major chassis adjustment being made to the Bill Elliott Ford and four-tire change for Ricky Rudd, the Wrangler Ford. Bodine has a four-tire change already, and he's going back out. Good pit stop for him. Sounds like Richard Petty could do a whole new goodies headache commercial on this race today. 230 laps are gone. We're not even halfway in the Sovereign Bank 500. Bobby Allison, the leader at the time of the caution. Ron Bouchard was second. Jeff Bodine was third, but the order coming off pit road. We'll jumble that up. We'll recap it for you. In a down on pit road, here's Benny Parsons. I'm down here with David Ift, the crew chief on Ron Bouchard's car. David, what happened back there? Well, you know, Richard was a lap down, and they kind of just bumped each other, I guess, and got sideways. Uh, you know, I don't know if we knocked our front end out of line or not. Ron said the car feels okay right now? Well, we're going to we'll go back on the green. We'll know here what it feels like. Okay, that's it down here. Field will go back to green this turn around at lap 232 on the board right now. The leader is Bobby Allison. He's been out there most of the day. Riding second is Terry Labonte. 
third, good run for Jeff Bodine. Fourth, Ricky Rudd has nursed an ailing car here with some misfortunes this afternoon and still kept the Wrangler machine very much in contention. He's the fourth place car as they get ready to go back to green in front of Eli Gold. Bouchard is right behind Ricky Rudd. Then comes Darrell Waltrip, Neil Bonnet, and Tim Richmond as we get the green from Harold Kinder. Don't believe Bouchard lost a lap, so he still should be the fifth place car. We're back under green at Martinsville. They'll go after Allison in a hurry as they come off turn number two. Labonte is right up there on the outside, and Allison just drives away from him off the corner. That car is strong. They're back in three. Showing a lot of muscle that time. Now it's still Labonte on the low side of the racetrack. He's tightly tucked in second. Bodine outside of the lapped car. Bill Elliott still holding third. Ricky Rudd is the fourth place car. Ron Bouchard is fifth. Darrell Waltrip is sixth. Seventh is Bill Elliott. Or excuse me, seventh is Neil Bonnet. Eighth is Tim Richmond. Ninth is the Tommy Ellis car as they head up the back straight. Right behind Tommy Ellis, you have a number of lapped automobiles further back than to Richard Petty, who is the last car in that particular group of automobiles. Allison nose to tail with Labonte in second. Good scramble back in the pack. Tim Richmond trying to find a way back to the front end of the field, along with Neil Bonnet and Darrell Waltrip, who've got caught on restarts on numerous occasions this afternoon back in the thick of things. Mark Dwyer just took the left side sheet metal off Dave Marcus's car. Ricky Rudd had already removed the right side in an altercation. Marcus cuts left in the straightaway, slaps him back, and they're up in turn three. And for the moment, those two cars have separated. Richard Petty gets out behind them. Kyle Petty and Harry Gant bump extensively off turn four, but they continue in a straight line. And as the field strings out again here after this restart at lap 236 with Allison in front from Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. When Dale Earnhardt hit it right on the head when he stopped at the broadcast, he talked about all the framming and bamming that goes on here at Martinsville. Benny, how you tell the Frammers from the Bammers? <laughs> well, Mike, the Frammers has got the right side tore up in the in the grill. The Bammers has got the left side and the back end tore up on their car. Well, there's plenty of both here. Here's Tommy Ellis dropping down to the inside of the racetrack. The Morgan McClure car has been on the lead lap all day. It looks now as if he's way off the pace. Let's see if he makes it around to the back pit road. Ellis was running in the eighth spot, and yes, he is not going to pit. He's going to stay on the racetrack and see if he can get back up to speed. Well, he's pitting on the front side, Mike, so I expect we'll see him coming in as he, he coasts into the third turn. Terry Labonte has been working on Bobby Allison, but the only work he's been able to do so far has been nothing but frustration. He's tried to get around him on the outside. He's found out earlier today he couldn't do anything on the inside lane. Now, we've seen some passing on the outside in recent years here at Martinsville, but if you get it out there, you get it the hard way. But he's not let Allison catch his breath since they put him back under green. And right behind him comes Jeff Bodine. Those front three cars locked right together. In fact, the front four are as they come off turn number two now and head down the back chute. Allison certainly doesn't have any breathing room. Again, Labonte takes a look at him. Nothing going there back in three. But Labonte's afraid to really pull out because, as you say, Bodine, Ricky Rudd, and Ron Bouchard are right there. And if you pull out, you're going backwards, and Labonte knows it. That front five comes back down the front straightaway and into the south end of the speedway. Labonte sits just about a foot and a half off the back bumper of Allison's car, and they're all lined up that way as they come off the corner single file. Earnhardt gets a little loose, and Neil Bonnet will jump inside him. Neil Bonnet pulls to the inside of the racetrack and out drags that Wrangler Monte Carlo back into turn number three. Here comes Tim Richmond. He wants a piece of that opening, but that hole closes up in a hurry, so Richmond tucks back in behind Earnhardt. He's had a good run here today, Tim Richmond has. In fact, in the last few weeks, all of a sudden, that team seems to be able to get 
get their act together, and they feel like they're going to be in victory lane again. They came away the winner at the Northwestern Bank 400 at Wilkesboro a couple of weeks ago. And Barney pulling off turn number four and making a quick hard turn towards the back pit or garage area, if you will, is the Morgan Shepherd automobile. He was running really well after the most recent series of pit stops, but the food country car has now come to a rest, and the crew is going to swarm around that automobile. Good hard racing at Martinsville as Dean Combs came back onto the racetrack, now goes back in the pits again. We see eight, 10, 12 cars every weekend just ride nose to tail. Nobody knows who's going to win until the final few laps, so it seems. Richard Petty told me yesterday down in the pits why the competition is so much better right now. The cars are all so much alike now. Uh, all the cars are built basically the same way. they got the same chassis. All the cars weigh the same. You know, used to, everybody weighed a little bit different. Uh, everybody had different chassis. They had different motor combinations. So now you got everybody working out of the same box, and basically all the cars run the same speed, so you just got to have a lot of luck to go along with it. Petty hasn't had that much luck here this afternoon. Charity Barney Hall, Barney Hall, Ned Jarrett is down in the pits with Tommy Ellis right now. Ned? Tommy is out of the Morgan McClure Chevrolet. Tommy, what went wrong? Ned, uh, looks like to me we had an engine problem. I think we dropped a valve. We've got oil all over the valve covers, and uh, we didn't lose it completely, but we lost power, and, you know, the only thing we could do was quit. The car was really going good for you. Well, this Morgan McClure Chevrolet run good all day. And the funny thing is, I was taking my time. We lost the brakes early. I cooled them down, got them back, and then I started running a conservative race, and we still had plenty. We were really handling good. And, you know, we just can't seem to get a chance to show people what we made of. Well, he has the talent if he just get that brake. Got some good people on that team. G.C. Spencer calls the shots on the car for the most part, and I don't think there's anybody, a veteran that's been around any longer than G.C. has, but he certainly made things work. Halfway mark here at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500. Bobby Allison is still out front. Terry Labonte has given him a fit for the last 25 laps, but that's about all. Hasn't been able to take the lead away, and right now drops back a couple of car lengths. Right behind him in third spot, that's Jeff Bonine. Good run for him. If you had to flip a coin among the top four or five that's running along there right together right now, who had the strongest car? Allison apparently does, but you never know at Martinsville. Jeff Bonine has been strong. So has Ricky Rudd. So has Ron Bouchard. And in lurking back in the pack, there's Darrell Walter. And as we said at the top of the broadcast, Barney, three of those top five drivers are trying desperately to get into NASCAR's lucrative winner's circle program. That's an appearance money program that rewards the car owners of winning cars. Eight of them are eligible for the program that commit to run the entire Winston Cup series. Allison is on the program. Labonte, Bodine are not. Ricky Rudd is. Ron Bouchard is not. So of those front five, three of those drivers desperately want to win this race and get on to NASCAR's winner's circle plan. Just past halfway, Allison in front, then Labonte, Bodine, Rudd, and Ron Bouchard. Mike. Back at the Martinsville Speedway, we've completed 259 laps in the Sovereign Bank 500. No change in the front five. Allison still in front. Labonte second. Uh, let's make that right now. Let's make that Jeff Bodine second. Labonte third. Fourth is Ricky Rudd, and fifth is Ron Bouchard. Let's go to the pits and Ned Jarrett. We're standing by with Morgan Shepard, who is out of the race in the food country viewing. Morgan, what happened? Uh, I think the rear end come out of the car, Ned. We're losing a lot of grease, so I pulled it in. Uh, we may try to go back out and uh, work the chassis out on the car. Were you not pleased with the way it was working? No. Uh, th this car's got some new ideas built into it. And uh, at Bristol, we was off, and, uh, and here I'm off. I thought I could come here and have the car worked out, but uh, the 
if we can get the running straight back out, uh, we're going to go back out and try to work the chassis out. Well, Penny Parsons did some of that at Darlington a couple of weeks ago. Sure did, Ned, because that, you know, the car just wasn't right. We sat on the pole down there, but the car just wasn't right. So when we got 50 laps down after I run into the wall, I told Leo, let's try to get ready for the Southern 500 because we've got 500 miles to run in Dalton again in 1984. Best place to find out anything is right in the thick of a race. If you want to take it out there and put some adjustments on the car, you can certainly learn something here or any place for that matter. 262 laps complete at Martinsville. One of the cars that's on the move right now is the Wrangler machine of Bud Moore and their driver, Ricky Rudd. He has really been aggressive the last 30 laps around. He has moved around several cars to put himself up in third position right now. He got around Terry Labonte just a moment ago. The leader is still Bobby Allison, riding second is Bodine, third is Ricky Rudd. Fourth right now is Terry Labonte in the Piedmont Airlines car. He may lose that spot in turn four. Right now, coming off the corner, Ron Bouchard stays inside of Terry Labonte and pulls off the move right there. They'll also go by the ailing Ronnie Thomas car with smoke coming out of the headers on the left side of that automobile. So Bouchard will pick up that fourth spot. Looking at Ricky Rudd's car, there is not a panel on it that is not dented. That's not a wrap on Ricky. That's just how hard-nosed the racing is here. I asked his car owner, Bud Moore, I said, is it kind of a sinking feeling? Is it, is it tough to watch your car get out there and all bagged and beat up and know there's a good chance that you'll have to carry it back home to Spartanburg in a basket? Well, you know, for the, all the time we've been racing at Martinsville, we can expect it. So uh, we always feel like, you know, the body man's got his work cut out when you get through running at Martinsville. 265 laps complete for the moment that front four or five seems to have stabilized as Ricky Rudd has pulled away and put a little daylight right now on uh, the fourth and fifth place cars. Allison just for the moment looks back and sees Jeff Bonai and a couple of car lengths back of him. They're working some traffic so I don't think there'll be any change there at least for a lap or two. That'll give us a chance to talk with the team manager for the Winston Racing Division of the RJ Reynolds Tobacco Company Roger Bear who's an interested spectator here this afternoon. Got a tie for the lead right now in the Winston Cup points. Barney, I don't remember the last time that that's happened, uh, to have a, a dead heat in the uh, in the point standings. I'm, I reckon it has happened at some point. I remember some ties for second and third place. But Darrell Waltrip uh, and Terry Labonte both have 1,138 points to lead the Winston Cup standings uh, to, this, to this point. After this race, uh, it's possible that they could still be tied, but not likely. And so we'll probably have a, a one person up on top of the Winston Cup standings as we go into the Winston 500 next weekend at Talladega. Roger, do you get a lot of feedback, or does Winston get a lot of feedback from the drivers about their Winston Cup programs? Oh, yeah. I think uh, uh, when you're paying a half a million dollars a year, uh, they sure do pay attention to it. And they want to know how they're standing. Uh, that's After they find out where they finished in the race, they want to know where, where they are now in the points because that's uh, that's a significant amount of money, Barney, when you're at 150000 for first and on down the ranks. Uh, uh, there are many people in this country that don't make as much as the last place pays uh, on that one banquet night. Uh, yeah, Mike Joy, probably you, and uh, I'm sure <laughs> I know about Barney because I used to write his checks years ago. But uh, um, that's, a, that's a significant amount of money, you know, when you're, when you're talking uh, talking a payout in one night. And well, yeah, the, they do pay attention. Well, the point money, too, is a difference, particularly back in the field, maybe a little further more so than the top teams that, that win the championship or finish second and third, somewhere in that range. But for, say from 8th to 10th, 15th on back, the Winston Cup money can make the difference of having a season of making a profit or having a loss. Oh, that's right. Um, absolutely true. And and uh, to that extent, uh, we're very, very pleased to support this sport that has been so very, very good to us and, and looking forward to this race, and which is the start of a eight-week 
skein of events that's going to really keep us keep us and these drivers especially busy coming up. It's especially busy right now coming off turn four. Ricky Rudd is the man on the move. He's got his Bud Moore Wrangler Ford underneath Jeff Bodine, and they're lined up right behind leader Bobby Allison. They're side by side for the second spot coming off turn number two. Rudd on the inside, Bodine up high. Rudd was awfully strong on the straightaway. He is again. He'll pull back alongside Bodine, but Ricky Rudd's going to run up onto the rear of Bobby Allison's car. So again, off turn four. It's side by side until Rudd tries to assert himself. Ricky Rudd will come away with a spot, and that's good for Bobby Allison. Not necessarily that Ricky gets the second spot is good for Bobby Allison, but Benny Parsons, when Bobby looks back there and sees that hard racing going on between two guys that are trying to get up and take the lead away, he knows that equipment's getting a little more abuse than it needs. Well, that's exactly right, because Ricky and Bodine both were using their cars up quite excessively trying to get to the second place to challenge Bobby Allison. Barney, if we can get the right five cars together here, we're going to see a heck of a race. Bobby Allison, Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, Ron Bouchard, and Tim Bridgman are extremely strong at this point in the race. Well, they're tightening it up every time around. 274 laps on the board here at Martinsville this afternoon. Bobby Allison has been the leader, been obviously superior most of the day, but Ricky Rudd has suddenly, as we said about 20 laps ago, become very aggressive with that Wrangler car, and apparently Bud Moore, his car owner, has taken the lid off and said, go after it or get it to the limit, whatever their slogan is for Wrangler. He's door-to-door -door with him in turn three. But again, it's the Clark Dwyer car that causes the roadblock there for a moment, so Ricky Rudd has to again tuck back in. He was just about alongside Allison, but he came up on the slower car. Barney, you remember how strong Ricky was at North Wilkesboro. He had that race dominated, nearly won it, but a miscue on the last pit stop put Tim Richmond in victory lane, and they get hooked up here like they could at uh, North Wilkesboro the way they were a couple of weeks ago. Going to be a tough show as this one winds down to its last 220 laps. We asked Ricky yesterday, can you get it hooked up here at Martinsville like you did at Wilkesboro? We hope so, Barney. We haven't given up, given up yet. Uh, so far in practice, we haven't come up with it like we'd like to. The car's driving pretty good. We're, we're lacking a little bit up off the corner. Uh, we're changing motors and going to see how that works out. We really don't know until we try that motor, but uh, it's a good possibility we can. But like I said, this is probably the, the racetrack that we're going to run that's going to, that will really tell whether or not the, the Ford has got any kind of a handicap or at all. Well, we're going to see if Benny Parsons' prediction comes true because right now, Allison is the leader, but just a stone's throw or less than a foot or so behind is Ricky Rudd maybe a half a car length back to the third place of Jeff Bonine. About six car lengths back right now is Ron Bouchard. Reeling in all those front cars is Tim Richmond as they tighten it up at lap 279. So going to be quite a show here in a minute. They're side by side for the lead coming down into turn number one. Rudd is right up alongside Allison and he's doing it the hard way on the outside. They're just slide a paper between them. That's all the room you've got as they're neck and neck in the back stretch. Trying to out pull Allison. Rudd does it. We've got a new leader for the moment in the Sovereign Bank 500 but here comes Allison again on the low side of the racetrack. He'll try and reassume a lead. He's not going to be able to do it and he has to hang on now to second place. Jeff Bodine's going to take that away from Bobby Allison and Allison again as we said a moment ago. Smart enough to say, hey, there's a long ways to go. Over 220 laps remaining in this race. No point in abusing the equipment. Let him lead a few laps because he knows what his car can do. And Benny Parsons, he's in no hurry. No, he's really not. Bar uh, Bobby Allison is one of the uh, truly one of the great veterans around in Grand National Racing. He's 45, 46 years old. He's He's been through it all, and he knows exactly what he's doing out there, Barney. Ricky Rudd is a leader. Bodine is second. Allison third. Fourth right now. Bouchard. Fifth would be Terry Labonte. And sixth is Tim Richmond. 
Martinsville Speedway, 287 laps on the board in the Sovereign Bank 500 as Dean Combs takes his best products car back into the pits for about the 10th time this afternoon. He's had a lot of problems. The leader right now is Ricky Rudd. He just would not be denied leading some laps in this race or even winning it for that matter. He kept beating, banging, shoving, whatever it takes here at Martinsville to get himself in front. Jeff Bodine tagged along with him, and he came around Bobby Allison a few laps ago, so it's Rudd in front by about a full second. Back to Bodine, who rides in the second spot. Then another two seconds or so back to Bobby Allison in third position. Right behind Allison, riding fourth now, is Ron Bouchard. A lot of teams have really done a good piece of work here this afternoon. We were talking about that a moment ago. Ricky Rudd had spun out, had a lot of problems in and out of the pits on numerous occasions. Bud Moore and the team kept him in the lead lap, put him right back out there. Ron Bouchard's team has done a good job here this afternoon in that department. And for that matter, so has Terry Labonte. Well, this race has been a good racetrack for Ricky Rudd, Barney. The last three years here, he's had a win, a second, and a third. That third coming in 1981 in the spring race, his first and second place finishes coming here in the fall. He likes this racetrack, and when he was driving for Piedmont Airlines, of course, they're located right down the street. So is Wrangler right down in Greensboro. They've got a lot of people here today, and there's always a little bit of, if not extra pressure, let's say extra incentive to perform well in front of all the representatives of your sponsor when they are so close to the speedway. Well, just sitting here looking at the cars right around the racetrack and writing down some numbers of how many cars really have a lot of sheet metal damage on them. Greg Sachs's car has major damage on it. So did Dean Combs a moment ago. So does Ron Bouchard. But he is still, despite that fact, as we said, he's been in and out of the pits to get some repairs made, still moves in the third spot right now. Damage also on Clark Dwyer's car. A lot of sheet metal damage. Along with Dave Marcus, his whole right side has caved in on his car, but he's still out there running. Trevor Boys is back out on the racetrack with a lot of damage on his car. Ricky Rudd, who currently is the leader, has a lot of left side sheet metal damage on his car. Well, for that matter, you can just look out in there and see anybody. If you want to see a dent in the car, you can see it. I think Bobby Allison's car is the only one that is unmarked. If, if he's not the only one, he's one of only a couple. Darrell Waltrip's and Neil Bonnet's car are relatively unscathed, but just about everybody else knows that they've been in a race here at Martinsville. Barney, one, I'd love a word of praise for the Tim Richmond crew, Eddie Threpp, Barrett Dotson, and Pete Peterson. You know, they've been through a lot the last couple of weeks, but they come up here, they've got the car performing as well as it ever has today. My, my hat's off to him. Well, Richmond remembers his first time here. I talked with him yesterday. He likes this racetrack, and a few years ago, he had a reputation of not particularly being a short track driver. A lot of people said the only place he can drive a race car is on a super speedway. Uh, you know, we've not had that the best of luck here. I remember when I used to drive for Bob Rogers. Uh, I think I spun out four times, brought out four cautions, and never lost a lap. Not all due to me, uh, mind you, but, uh, you know, I guess maybe that's where part of this myth came that I'm not a short track driver or not as good as I am on the, on the intermediate and super speedways. But, you know, if, I guess if you've got to be good someplace, it might be on the fast tracks. And you have to have a Thoughts of Tim Richmond. I asked him yesterday also, do you think you've developed as a driver to handle, handle yourself, whether it's a short track or super speedway or any place? I really think I can, and I'm not bragging. I'm not, you know, saying anything of that nature, but I've really amazed myself at, at here in the last, oh, I'd say two or three months, how I drive a race car now. I'm, I'm totally a different race car driver than I, than I ever used to be. Now, I can go back, I can revert back to that, that old way, and it'd be another positive for me again, but uh, it's, some, it's so much more positive now since I've really, I mean, I really sit in there and I, yeah, I've got some experience, and, you know, I don't have the, the 25 years or so that some of the, you know, Richard and some of the other guys have got. Uh, and as far as going out and winning 15 races here at Martinsville, it's going to be tough in these days, day and time. 
it is that. I don't think we'll see that anymore ever. Thoughts of Tim Richmond about his career and how it's progressed in the last few years. And Benny Parsons, you've run against him on some of the super speedways and places. He does have a lot of driving talent. He doesn't have the experience that a David Pearson or a Benny Parsons or a Richard Petty has, but he has a lot of raw driving talent. He really does, Barney. He has been extremely uh, impressive over the last couple of uh, years. Uh, you know, a, a young man that's been impressive today, I know Ned is, would have a problem saying this, but Dale Jarrett has been doing a fantastic job today. He's kept the car out of trouble except that first lap miscue. He's kept the car out of trouble. He made a bad pit stop, got a couple, not a bad pit stop, but he pitted on the green a couple of laps later. The caution flag came out, and I think that's the only two laps he's down. Is that not right, Ned? He's only two laps down. They're scoring him, yes, exactly two laps down, just behind the Buddy Baker car, and that would put him right now in the 14th position. Let's uh, take this opportunity to bring you back through the field a bit as we're now 300 laps into the Sovereign Bank 500. Ricky runs the leader. Jeff Bodine is second. Third is Ron Bouchard. In the fourth spot, Bobby Allison. In fifth, Tim Richmond. In the sixth spot, Terry Labonte. Seventh is Darrell Waltrip, and eighth is Neil Bonnet. Those cars are on the lead lap. One lap down in the ninth spot, pole sitter Joe Rutman. In 10th is Bill Elliott, 11th is Kyle Petty, and 12th is Dale Earnhardt. Then two laps back, in 13th spot, that would be Buddy Baker, and in 14th, just about two car lengths behind him, is Dale Jarrett. And looking down the rundown, he is, right at the moment, he's posted as the leading rookie in the race. He's having an awful good run here this afternoon. 301 are on the board, 199 laps to go here at Martinsville. A lot of excitement left in this one in front of a record crowd. If you just joined our broadcast, they announced a little over 37,000 fans. They sold a lot of standing room tickets only earlier here this afternoon. Kind of recap what's happened in the race a bit. We've had five caution flags in the event. First one came out on the very first lap when Dale Jarrett, Trevor Boyce, and Mike Alexander had some problems coming off the number four wall turn and kind of tag the wall up there to bring out the first caution. Lap 43 saw another one come out when Tommy Ellis and Harry Gant got together a little bit and went into caution. Third one came out on lap number 153 when Dave Marcus and Ricky Rudd slammed together in the middle of the back stretch and spun down to the infield. Repairs were made on Rudd's car to keep him in the field. Marcus also spent quite a bit of time in the pits and they repaired, made some repairs on that car. He is still back out there but many laps down. The fourth one, Richard Petty brought it out when he spun off the fourth turn on lap number 163. And then the fifth one coming out on lap 229 when Dean Combs, Richard Petty, and Ron Bouchard all tangled up in the third turn. And that's the situation here at Martinsville right now with Ricky Rudd in front. Second is Jeff Bonine. Third is Ron Bouchard. Fourth is Bobby Allison. Fifth is Tim Richmond. And sixth should be Terry Labonte. They're all right on the lead lap. Uh, let's ask the fellas <laughs> who'd have a first-hand opportunity to view this situation. That's down in our pit tower. A couple of Grand National champions working with us, Ned Jarrett and Benny Parsons. You fellas get, you know, you ask fathers and mothers of drivers out there if you get nervous watching your kids or your younger brothers out there on the racetrack. Both of you fellas having been out there so many times before, you still get nervous, Ned watching your son Dale or, or Benny watching your younger brother Phil? Well, I'll take it first, uh, Mike Joy. Not really nervous. I have a lot of confidence in, in Dale and his ability, even though he's a rookie in this type of racing, and also have more confidence in the equipment that, that NASCAR uh, makes them uh, build, the safety that is built into these cars. So, of course, naturally, I, I look at it apprehensively with, uh, you know, wanting to, to do well. But as far as nervous now, his mother, Martha, is standing back here behind me. That's a little different situation. Well, you know, when... Bill first started driving in the International Sedan Series, I was kind of nervous and, and apprehensive uh, because he was so aggressive that I felt like he was too aggressive for his own good. 
But he's got in late model sportsman racing, and uh, he seemed to calm down. And he, in his Grand National, his six or seven races he's been in Grand National racing, he seems to uh, be resigned to the fact that it's going to take him a while to get the experience that he needs. And uh, I don't worry about him anymore. You fellas both being pretty calm about it down there in the pit tower, and I, and I guess that's a good thing. When you see the things going on out here and having been and, and seen them firsthand from the steering wheel, I guess it gives you a little better perspective. Well, I'm pretty sure they feel also that they, they both have a lot of experience under their belt, not necessarily in Grand National cars, but they didn't just jump into it overnight. You kind of build up to it over the years, and each driver, I'm sure, remembers when they started out what it was like, and that you don't acquire all this to get the feeling of confidence. And half this business, Ned, I'm sure you'll agree with this, is what a driver feels he can do, the ability he feels like he has. In other words, the confidence in himself. He knows when he's ready. I think any athlete, Barney, regardless of the sport they're participating in, if they don't have that confidence, they aren't going to be able to do a good job, and certainly it applies as far as race driving is concerned. Bobby Allison has dropped back in the field by almost half a lap, so there has to be a problem on Allison's car. We said a moment ago that he was the leader. Ricky Rudd just hounded him lap after lap, took the lead away, and they were running along right together. Now Allison is far more than a straightaway behind. Set the field for you at 319 laps. Ricky Rudd's the leader. Jeff Bonine is second. Third is Bouchard. Fourth right now is Allison. Fifth is Tim Richmond. Sixth is Terry Labonte. Seventh is Darrell Waltrip. And eighth, the last car on the lead lap, according to NASCAR scoring, would be Neil Bonnet. From there back in ninth position to lap down is Joe Rutman. Riding tenth is Bill Elliott. Eleventh is Kyle Petty. Riding twelfth, Dale Earnhardt, 13th is Dale Jarrett, and 14th right now is Buddy Baker, and that's the way they run here at Martinsville. Barney, the way this track seems to work, as we saw yesterday, watching the Miller Time 250 for the NASCAR Modified Cars, Benny Parsons can comment, we did that broadcast over many of these MRN stations. Some cars, Richie Evans' car, the national champion, didn't work at all at the start of the race. The end of the race, he was the fastest car on the racetrack. Uh, Charlie Drzombek at the start of the race ran like Allison did today. He was the fastest thing on the racetrack. And by the time the race was 200 laps old, he wasn't going anywhere. The track changes so much. That's exactly what Ned, Jared, and I were just talking about. Uh, Barney had mentioned that, that Bobby Allison looked like he had a problem. I don't think that Bobby's got a problem other than the racetrack is getting extremely slippery. But Ricky Rudd's car is coming off that corner just like Richie Evans' car was coming off the corner yesterday, Mike. Just unbelievable. It doesn't bobble. It don't move. It just goes straight ahead. The one concern Bud Moore had this morning was that it would be a cool, overcast day. He wanted the sun to come out. He wanted the racetrack to be hot and slick. He said that will be our advantage. It seems to be proving out. We'll be going to Talladega next week for the Winston 500, one of the most exciting events in motor racing. Speeds of over 200 miles an hour for the Winston Cup drivers out there next week. And Benny Parsons was the first man to run over 200 at Talladega in a Grand National stock car. Neil Bonnet lives just up the road from that speedway. Alabama International Motor Speedway would be considered his home track. He can't wait to get back out there. I asked him yesterday, Will they run 203, 204, even 205 like they're predicting? From looking at the speeds we saw at Daytona and, and the increase that we've had everywhere we've been with these cars, the engine guys are doing them. Just continuously working, bringing up more power. I can't help but think that that is realistic uh, speed. I, the key factor, like you say, the weather. If we get a cool day, we're going to go fast. But I live down there, and I'm telling you, it's hot in Talladega. And if it's a hot day, the cars are going to run slower. But even on a hot day, you're going to see 200 miles an hour. But if we catch a right day, 204 miles an hour is within reach, I believe. Benny, is it a realistic speed? You were the first man to run over 200 in a stock car out there. And if conditions are right, can it happen? I believe it can, Barney. Uh, I was talking to some fans earlier this morning down in the pit area, and they said, uh, am I going to sit on the pole at uh, Talladega? And I don't, 
I think that Keo Yarbrough would naturally have to be the odds-on favorite to sit on the pole down there, and that Hardy Chevrolet. And uh, they asked what I felt like he was going to run, and, and that's the, what I told them, 203 and a half to 204. And I feel like that our car is capable of running about 202, so, and that'll probably put me about uh, fifth or sixth. It'll be interesting when they go out there to qualify. Track will open next Wednesday for the first day of practice. They'll qualify Thursday for the Winston 500. Good battle for sixth place a moment ago. Darrell Waltrip snuck underneath Terry Labonte, so Waltrip will pick up the sixth spot behind Tim Richmond. Labonte will drop to seventh. Neil Bonnet is the eighth place car. He's the last car in the lead lap, and he's in danger of being lapped by Ricky Rudd. From Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Looks like some activity down in the STP Pontiac pits. Benny Parsons. Yeah, I don't know. They picked up tires. They picked up the gas cans. It looks like Richard is going to be coming in, and I would think this would be an unscheduled stop, wouldn't it, Ned? Yeah, it's a little earlier than they should be coming in, Benny. However, they could go the distance from here on out, but uh, most of them, I'm sure, would like to run another 20 or so laps before they would come in. Well, they've run exactly 100 laps because that last caution came out on lap 230, and that's when just about everybody went on to pit road, so it would be just a little bit earlier. Talking about Darrell Waltrip's efforts a moment ago, he has won six races here at Martinsville, been one of the most successful short track drivers, not only here, but all around the country at Richmond and Nashville and Bristol and North Wilkesboro. For the last four or five years, he's pretty well dominated those tracks, and certainly since he went from the Junior Johnson team. He told me yesterday that the key to winning here at Martinsville is getting out of the throttle almost in the middle of the straightaway, so to speak, in the front straightaway at the flag stand. Just let the car kind of drift down in the corner. Here's Richard Petty coming back off pit road and back out in the traffic, and Waltrip says that way, that's the key to winning for him. That's really the key. Uh, back off early, get in the corner easy, and accelerate off the pull a lot of gear here, a real low gear, and let the car do the work. If you run the car in the corner hard here and bind the car all up with the brakes, the thing's just about trying to do a four-wheel slide when you enter the turn, and it won't cut. You know, if you've got the four, if you got all four wheels sliding, the thing won't turn. So what happens is the driver starts overdriving his race car into the corner here, and the first thing you know, he loses brakes, he loses control, he's losing time, and, and probably going to lose his ride if he ain't careful. <laughs> Maybe that's what Darrell's thinking about. He don't want to lose his ride, but I wouldn't count him out at all. Sitting here in the, this end of the racetrack in turns one or two, watching him to come through this corner, he drives in the turn just exactly like you heard him say. He's just drifting in the corner, punching that throttle in the middle of the turn. He's a smoother race driver. Benny, you've run against him, and Ned, you've watched him for years. I don't think there's anybody that's any smoother in a race car than Darrell Walter. No, and he's extremely intelligent when he comes to driving a race car. Probably one of the smartest race car drivers that we've had in in a long, long time, Barney. I, in Talladega, several years ago, the Winston 500, he started the race, and the first time I ran across Darrell Waltrip in the race, he was backing off to go in the tri-oval. I think a couple times he had to hit the brakes. That's how bad his car was. But he kept it under control. Uh, the pit stops, the caution flags came out. He started he started uh, making adjustments. And guess who won the race that day? Darrell Waltrip. He doesn't ever give up. He knows what his car can do. He won't punish it. If he can't win, he'll settle for second. He doesn't like to, but at the same time, he knows if you can't win, second ain't too bad, as they say. And if you can't get second, get third. Certainly get something. 338. Oh, for Dale Jarrett. Dale Jarrett goes high off turn number three and goes up towards the outside retaining wall, makes some light contact in car 02. Everybody goes by on the three or four grooves behind or beneath them, so he's in no problem with traffic. But the car just came off turn number three. The right rear and right front tires are down on that automobile as he limps the Emanuel Zervakis car back towards pit road. It'll bring out the caution. 
Well, that's a good break for Darrell Waltrip. He was uh, back in danger of being a lap down. It's a bad break for Terry Labonte. Labonte's Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet was right behind the leader. Ricky Rudd at the time of the caution, so Labonte will go a lap down. And this will be the sixth caution of the afternoon here at the Sovereign Bank 500 at Martinsville Speedway. 339 laps have been completed. As Dale Jarrett comes to the attention of the Emanuel Zervakis crew on the back pit road, we've got... Well, what, 160, 161 laps to go here at Martinsville. Well, it'll be 160 right now as they just dropped 340 on the scoreboard. Let's cover some of the pit stops. Let's go to Ned. Practically everybody has come in during this uh, caution period. Barney Hall, Ricky Rudd, the leader is in in the Ranger Ford. They're changing right side tires on it right now. They come around now to change left side, so he'll get all four. Jeff Bodine is in for a four-tire change. So is Ron Bouchard. Here comes Joe Rutman. Bobby Allison coming down pit road. Dale Earnhardt is in, getting a major chassis adjustment on his car while he's in. Neil Bonnet getting four tires on his Budweiser car. And a little further down the road is the Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet of uh, Terry Labonte, and he's already back out into the action. Good pit work for Dale Inman and the crew on the Piedmont Airlines car will put Labonte back out ahead of everyone else. Richmond gets some good pit service. He'll come off pit road second, so that's going to move him up and save him a little driving work on the field. Ricky Rudd comes out right behind him, and they will be able to go the distance, but if we see another caution before the day is out, I'm sure we'll see some more pit stops. Should we not, I think most of the drivers will try to stretch it the distance here this afternoon. They can go the distance from here, Barney, as far as the gas is concerned. However, it's going to be a, a real wear on those tires at the pace that they're going to have to set from here on out. Those that didn't change left sides the other time around are coming back in for a left side tire change this time. Well, Rudd will be the leader because Tim Richmond went to pit road on the exchange. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. At the Martinsville Speedway, 341 laps complete as everybody tries to catch up to the caution car. It'll be a little bit of an extended caution as they're cleaning up debris up between turns three and four. Well, that'll give us a chance to talk with the Grand Marshal here for the Sovereign Bank 500, L. Ralph Hicks, Jr., who is corporate executive officer for the Sovereign Bank. I know you folks have to be absolutely delighted to look out there and say, hey, there's not a seat in the place. That's absolutely right. We are just tickled to death to be a part of it. It's been great all day. People have had a good time. We've brought a lot of our customers and friends here. Well, it's been a good day here for Martinsville Speedway. They have a record crowd, biggest crowd we've ever seen here in Martinsville. And we'll talk with Mr. Hicks a little bit more. Well, we can do it right now. We thought we were going to go back to green, but it's going to be a few laps. As we said, we know you have to be delighted to see so many folks here in the stands. We really are. It's a great crowd, and they tell me it's uh, sold out, no seats available. They're happy. We're happy, so it's a good day. The involvement with the Sovereign Bank has been a good one between Martinsville Speedway and the bank. It's paid dividends for both. It started two years ago with the Virginia National Bank. This is our third year now as Sovereign Bank. It's, it's, uh, it's been good. We're a big dealer bank. We have a lot of automobile dealers around the country. We're dedicated to the industry, and we've just enjoyed it. It's been good for both, I think. Appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much. At the Martinsville Speedway, 348 laps have been completed. We're going racing in one more lap. Ricky Rudd is at the head of the field in the Bud Moore car, and that car's been up on just about every corner. I asked Bud yesterday, does all that beating and banging here really abuse the race car? Well, no, not here. Uh, it really don't hurt long just beating and banging on one another. The only thing that really hurts one is they get into the wall, you know, and uh, over at the last race, you know, first race last year, you know, we got spun on the back stretch and they had that hole in the wall over our, where the steps said and we hung it and we that weren't that cars weren't that one but the one he's got here is running just fine thank you with ricky rudd in the lead 152 laps to go well let's see if they can take it away from rudd he has been extremely aggressive here this afternoon look he's got the car under him to win if he can keep it out front let's see if they do 
green flag, and we'll go back to racing. Under green at lap 349, Rudd in front of the Wrangler Ford of Bud Moore. Jeff Bodine, who's been a factor all afternoon, still very much so, right there in second spot. And look out for Tim Richmond. He's been running in the top five, and as many parts have said he'd like to see that group of cars get together, they're together up in turn three. Terry Labonte, who had tried to get his lap back, unable to do so, but he does hold off a challenge of Tim Richmond, who tries to hook onto the rear deck of Jeff Bodine. Rudd brings them back into the south end of the speedway in turns one and two, and just from looking after a change of rubber on most of the cars after that last round of pit stops, this racetrack is very slippery. You can tell by the way they're coming off the corner and the way they're tippy-toeing, so to speak, getting in the turn. Field is back in three. Sorting itself out now, Ricky Rudd, Jeff Bodine, then the lapped car of Levante, followed by Tim Richmond, Darrell Waltrip, who's making himself heard from now, followed by Bouchard and Allison. Well, they're into the stretch drive now, less than 150 laps to go, and something will happen in that second pack of cars. A little bumper tag down in turns one and two from Tim Richmond back through Waltrip, Ron Bouchard, Bobby Allison, and the lap car of Neil Bonnet. Bouchard looked to the inside of Darrell Waltrip but could not outdive him into turn number three, the quick way around. Allison's car catches the curbing, but it stays in its right direction. Front three are right together. It's about a second back. Here's Waltrip making a bid for four spot. He's going to get it. And all of a sudden, Waltrip wants to get up toward the front. You can almost tell Benny or Ned, by the way we're watching him run in the corner here this afternoon, he's jamming on the brakes every now and then because you can almost see he has enough power, the car sticking well enough that he could go on, but he doesn't seem to want to right now. Well, Barney, I think that he has conserved those brakes uh, for this uh, run here at the end. As we heard him say earlier, you got to do that. you got to have brakes at the end. If you're going to make a hard run uh, at it. So whether he has enough left that he can catch those uh, front cars because he does take a lot of brakes when you run hard and a maximum speed around Martinsville. Bobby Allison trying to move underneath Tim Richmond up in three. And he's there, pulling down to the low side of the racetrack. Waltrip and Bouchard got by. Now Bobby Allison does, and here comes Neil Bonnet as well. And Tim Richmond is sliding back through the field, so whatever they did to his car didn't help it that much. In fact, it might have hurt him a little bit. Daryl, how do you save your brakes here at a place like Martinsville? You've got to be real sensitive of, of the brake situation. Uh, you can feel the brake start to go away. And if you ever get that feeling, you better slow that car down. You better get off those brakes, back up, do whatever you got to do. If you got to fall a lap down, you can't burn those brakes up early in the race. It's the guys that pace themselves, are conscious of the brake problem, that are around in the last 100 laps of the race. Those are the guys that, that, that win this race, and those are the guys you got to race with, not the ones that take off like Jack DeBear and burn their cars up in the first couple hundred laps. Waltrip has followed his own advice here this afternoon. Last time around, Tim Richmond and Dale Earnhardt went door to door here in the south end of the speedway, and they just gave each other a little tap to say, hi, neighbor, how you doing? <laughs> it wasn't exactly a love tap, but it did kick one of them up out of the way while the other went on to pick up a spot. At 350 laps, the leader, Ricky Rudd. Second, Jeff Bodine in the third spot. At that time was Tim Richmond. In fourth was Darrell Waltrip. Running fifth, Ron Bouchard, and sixth, Bobby Allison. Just those six cars are on the lead lap. One lap down in seventh is Terry Labonte. In eighth is Neil Bonnet. Ninth is Joe Rutman. Tenth is Bill Elliott. Eleventh is Kyle Petty. He's two laps down. So is Dale Earnhardt in twelfth place. Three laps back and a lap by himself is Buddy Baker in thirteenth. Four laps down. Fourteenth is Dave Marcus. Fifteenth is Dale Jarrett. And sixteenth is Dick Brooks. Five laps back. Rookie Rusty Wallace is 17th, 18th is Buddy Arrington. Six laps down, 19th for Richard Petty today, 20th for Harry Gant, and eight or more laps off the pace for the cars of Tommy Gale, Greg Sachs, Clark Dwyer, 
and Phil Parsons. Rusty Wallace has been doing a pretty good job here this afternoon at the Gatorade car, but in this particular end of the racetrack, he's really had trouble keeping the car down at the bottom of the racetrack. He's had to really fight the thing all afternoon to keep it down in the, either one of the two lower grooves to keep it out of the marbles and the loose stuff here in the south end of the speedway. Whatever Tim Richmond's problem was, it continues to multiply a little bit because he is losing some more spots and sliding a little further back in the field, and the way he had been running earlier, he was definitely a factor to win this race and may well yet be before it is all over, but right now he is continuing to drop back to the leader, Ricky Rudd. That Rudd car is, is not working, Barney, nearly as well as it was earlier. Now, it could be that the set of tires that he put on during that change of tires, uh, just the stagger is not right. You see him come off a two there. He got sideways. Uh, Bill Elliott gets on the inside of him, but the car is simply not working right. Car is just literally dirt tracking or spinning right off the corner here in the south end of the track, and he can't run in the corner very hard either. So he has definitely got his hands full, and right now he would welcome another caution to maybe get on pit road and make some kind of adjustments before the leaders come all the way around and put him a lap down. He's had a good run today. 361 on the board here at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500. We talk about cars that are working well and getting in and out of the corner and running smoothly. Well, that may kind of belie the fact that 500 laps here at Martinsville is a lot of hard work. Just ask Dale Earnhardt. Well, it's hard work starting 15th. Uh, you know, you got a lot of traffic, and it's going to be, uh, you know, a long day from the start, really, because you got to save your brakes, and yet you're going to be racing cars right from the start, and, you know, it's not going to be like being up front and one, one or two or three, and those cars can sort of breeze through corners and not have no traffic, and you're going to be back there from the start with traffic, using your brakes, and, you know, you're just going to have to be really aware of that and take it easy all day, and if you don't, you ain't going to be around at 10, you're going to be out of brakes, and, you know, somebody else is going to win the race. That's about what's happening right here at Martinsville, Virginia. The Sovereign Bank 500, 146 laps left to run. Ricky Rudd, the leader. Jeff Bodine is just two car lengths behind him. It's about a second back to Darrell Waltrip, the third-place car, then Ron Bouchard and Bobby Allison. From Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Benny, we might get you to take that Marty if you want to and wander down to Tim Richmond's pits and see what the problem is on our, or what they're saying and what they're going to do if you want to. Okay. Oh, Trevor Boys hit the curb and got into Richmond and spins. No flag. No flag. We're okay. Yep. Trevor's driving like a wild man. Yeah. Yeah. He just flat ran over Dale Hall. Yeah, I didn't even, I was looking the wrong way, Dan. I didn't even see that. Back off turn four, back to the line. What was her name? Blue Ridge Mountain. Yeah. Hard knocking racing here. Martinsville Speedway, 367 laps are on the board in the Sovereign Bank 500. Still a long ways to go. It's been a good race this afternoon. Had a little bit of everything. Some good hard-nosed racing with eight and nine car battles at times up front. Right now, the field is pretty well strung out around this racetrack again with Ricky Rudd suddenly flexing the muscles of that Wrangler car, much as he did at Richmond Fairgrounds Raceway a couple of months ago up there when he came back from that awful crash at Daytona and really built his stock up with Bud Moore and the whole Wrangler team to bounce back from what happened to him at Daytona to come back a winner. And Barney, it's a similar situation to what he had at Richmond. He was in a little encounter up there and knocked the toe end off, and they worked on it during caution periods and got it straightened back out as best they could, and he went on to win the race, and he's had that same problem here today. So maybe that's an omen for the Bud Moore Wrangler team. 
he and Bud seem to have a good thing going between the two of them, and he loves Bud Moore's pit work. He told me yesterday that a lot of times the way they get him in and out of the pits really makes his job on the racetrack a lot easier. It really does. It makes my job easier because you, uh, if, if you're running up front in a race and you come in down, you come down pit road, and if they don't get you out first, uh, it's so competitive now. You've got so many good running cars that if you don't get it in the first three or four cars, then you're stuck back in the race. You're having to battle each one of those guys to move your way back up through the field again. So especially on the half-mile racetracks, it's, it's super important. And I would say Martinsville is the most important track we go to. Well, they've disproved a lot of folks. They said the Fords were at a disadvantage on the short tracks, but already they have won at Richmond's Raceway. They ran extremely well at Bristol. They had the field covered very strongly at North Wilkesboro a few weeks ago. And the way things are looking right now, he's in pretty good shape to maybe come pick up his second win of the year on a short track here at Martinsville. But as we said, there's still a little better than 128 laps to go here at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500. Rudd is the leader. Riding second, Jeff Bodine. Outstanding run for that young team that they're really trying to get things together with Harry Hyde calling the shots on that one. Darrell Waltrip has eased up into third spot, so... Like Barney, the Tim Richmond car continues to have problems. Uh, Benny Parsons has made his way over to their pits. Raymond, what seems to be the problem with your car? The last tire change, we just have some tire problems right now. You think the tire stagger has gone wrong? Yeah. Uh, the tire was getting a little low. Is Was it new tires, or did the tires have some laps on them? They were new tires. So it's possible that they've grown differently or something? Yeah, that's, that's what he's telling us over the radio. That's it down here, Barney. Of course, that was Raymond Beadle who owns that car. Raymond is the famous drag racer. I, I expect the uh, tire stagger is a little bit different on these cars than what you would find on a drag car. I'm sure it is, Ned. Sometimes those drag tires grow till they look like a tractor tire at times. It, that is the problem on the Tim Richmond car, at least so says car owner Raymond Beadle, who's here this afternoon watching his young driver, Tim Richmond, trying to pull off his second win of the year. He was in a very good shape to do it earlier, but right now, unless they can get a break, maybe get on pit road and correct whatever their problem is, whether it's tires or something else, he's kind of he's spinning out in turn three. And right now, Dick Brooks behind him at nowhere to go, avoiding his rusty Wallace and the leader, Ricky Rudd. Bodine gets by. Labonte loses the right front of the automobile, the right front wheel totally tucked back under the race car. Finally now, Dick Brooks will get himself loose from Tim Richmond and try and pull away. But now both uh, Richmond and Brooks finally get away and they'll hold while Buddy Baker gets by. So Please. Tim Richmond couldn't quite get the job done there with that tire problem, but Labonte really took the, uh, the big hit. The right lower A-frame on Labonte's car on the right front end. It looks like that's come totally disconnected. The wheel is just cocked out at an angle. The tire is gone, and Dale Inman and the crew will really have their work cut out for them if they're even going to get Terry Labonte back in this race. He's coming on to pit road. He's not going behind the wall, Ned, so they're going to try to make repairs. They will, absolutely, Barney. Uh, Mike Joy, being in the lead in the Winston Cup point standings, they got to make as many laps as they possibly can. They'll go to work on it. Of course, they have the spare parts that they might need. Benny Parsons will be on his way over here to check with Dale Inman and them in a moment with our wireless mic. Meanwhile, the other drivers have come in, taken advantage of this caution period. Ricky Rudd and the Wrangler Ford is in for a four-tire change. So is Jeff Bodine in the Northwestern Security Car and uh, Ron Bouchard getting a four-tire change. Joe Rutman going out in the Levi Garrett entry. In is Bill uh, Elliott and also the Budweiser cars of Darrell Waltrip and Neil Bonnet.
Here's Ricky Rudd, driver of Wrangler Thunderbird number 15. Super speedways in the short track differ quite a bit. The short tracks is close racing, door handle to door handle. Closeness to competition is there. Super speedways, it's close, but it's in a different way. You don't seem to run a side-by-side -side as much as you do running nose to tail like when your Daytonas and Talladegas. When he's not racing, Ricky lives it to the limit in Wrangler jeans, shirts, and casual wear just like his fans do. When the Winston Cup takes you to Daytona Beach, Piedmont Airlines is there. And when it takes you to Richmond, Virginia, Piedmont's there too. We're there in Nashville, Atlanta, and Bristol, in Riverside, and in Charlotte. In fact, no airline covers the Winston Cup circuit like Piedmont. We can get you to the track in record time and for fares that won't slow you down. So when you're off to the races or headed to any one of 100 Piedmont cities, go with Piedmont. We're NASCAR's official airline, and we're off to the races every day. Well, the Piedmont race car is grounded at least temporarily. Let's go to Benny Parsons. Yes, I'm done talking to Terry, Le Terry Labonte in the Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet. Terry, what happened up there? Well, Tim Richards spun, and it brought out the caution, and, and the leaders had slowed down, and I was going to try to beat them back to the line. And there was a hole just big enough to get through down on the inside of the track, and as I got to the hole, one of the cars rolled down right in front of me, and I caught him with the right front. Whose car did you hit, do you know? Which car did you hit, do you know? I think it was 27, I'm not sure. I was going between 27 and the curb, and there was, you know, it was going to be close, and then he rolled down just a, about a foot, and I got him. Well, Terry Labonte trying to get a lap back, hit a car, stalled up in the third corner. Well, they're trying to fix the right front of that car. Benny Parsons give us an update on the repairs in just a moment. When we come back to Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Martinsville, working the eighth caution of the afternoon. Still going to be a few laps before they go back to green. Let's check in with Benny Parsons again on pit road. Yes, Barney, uh, I talked to Dale Inman, the crew chief on Terry Labonte's car, and the lower control arm on these Chevrolets are the Ford type. Uh, for some of you people out there are mechanically minded, it's a single bar that has a lower, lower ball joint mounted into it. Well, Terry just managed to hit the tire just right, and it jerked the ball joint out of the control arm. So they're going to have to replace the entire lower control arm uh, and it's going to be quite an involved job well they have no choice but to do it and put him back out there to put as many laps as they can as ned said he is tied for the winston cup lead right now and with hundred and fifty thousand dollars going to the winner plus the national championship they'll try to get back out there and pick up every point they can 381 laps on the board here at martinsville 119 to go the leader bobby allison and by virtue of the fact that ned he did not make a pit stop might be good work on his part well, it could be, Barney. We saw him early in the race. He did not make a pit stop when the others did on the first caution after some 45 or 50 laps. And then the car just worked beautifully. He was able to pull away from the field. So maybe he has a set of tires on there that he likes right now. Don't want to take those off. He's getting an opportunity now during this caution period to cool those tires off a little bit. So it could be a good strategy on his part. We get the signal now for one lap to go. You can have the superstars of NASCAR hanging on the wall of your home or office all year long in the new Super Press Superstars of NASCAR Racing Calendar for 1984. It's a 13-month full-color calendar with big color pictures of your favorite cars and drivers. Order today, and you can be eligible to win an all-expense-paid trip for two to the Atlanta Journal 500 race in November. Just send $6 plus $2 postage and handling to Super Press, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, 19464. That's $8 to Super Press, Pottstown, PA, 19464 for your Superstars of NASCAR calendar that also includes the entire MRN broadcast schedule. Terry Labonte will be on pit road when they go back to green. They'll try to repair that car and get him back out. The other two cars involved in that altercation, Dick Brooks and 
the 27 car of Tim Richmond will continue. As we're going back to green here at Martinsville on lap number 383, Allison's the leader. Waltrip has come off that pit road in a hurry, did good pit work. He's the second place car, tries to get underneath Allison here in turn number one, and Bobby just pinches him right down, makes him come out of the throttle. They're back in turn three. Behind Waltrip, you've got Jeff Bodine's car, then Ricky Rudd, followed by Ron Bouchard to the lead car, still near the point, and they're tightly tied together. Off turn four, Bobby Allison has the lead, and now Marcus is between him and Waltrip. Remember, Marcus and Allison had a door-to-door -door battle for a long time earlier here this afternoon. Not necessarily for the lead, but just trying to hold his ground. Allison gets away from Marcus as quickly as he can. Waltrip now must contend with Marcus, not for the second spot, but to get to leader Bobby Allison. They're back and forth. Darrell goes around Marcus to the high side, but can't quite pull past the Raymock car, but now manages to draw alongside off the fourth corner. Five cars are on the lead lap. Allison, Waltrip, Bodine. Then Ricky Rudd and Ron Bouchard, and they're all stacked up pretty much bumper to bumper. Good run for Bouchard today. David Ift and the crew have done a good job of keeping him on the lead lap. All five in contention to win up at the north end of the racetrack. And now Darrell Waltrip took a little peek to the high side of Bobby Allison, but Bobby coming off turn four takes away the running room in their single file. Allison's the leader, but Waltrip is putting the heat on. He tapped him coming into turn number one, got the car a little bit squirrely for a second. Bodine gives Waltrip a little shot as they came into the corner, and things are heating up at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500 as the leaders work back to three. Bodine and Ricky Rudd now both getting by Dave Marcus's car. Ron Bouchard is there, gives Ricky Rudd's car a shot from the rear, but off turn four, the lead cars are single file. You have two good rivalries at work here, the Waltrip-Allison rivalry that's gone on for the past three years at the top of the Winston Cup point standings, and the Bodine-Bouchard rivalry. Those two knocked heads for ten years on the NASCAR Modified Circuit up north. Right in the middle of them, there's Ricky Rudd, and I don't think Ricky cares who he beats as long as it's everybody out there. It's a good battle now for second place, Barney and Mike, as they come off turn four, Bodine to the outside of Waltrip. Waltrip down in the lower groove might have a little bit of an advantage, but Bodine has been very strong here all afternoon. He doesn't give up the position, still hangs up there. They go off the corner door to door, and again, Bobby Allison looks back, and I'm sure he likes what he sees, those two racing for second spot. They're in three. They're right behind him, side by side. Ricky Rudd also watching from a bit further back. Still Bodine outside of Waltrip for second. Door-to-door, -door, back in the south end of the track in turns one and two. Benny, this is where you really start getting anxious. You might start making some moves that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Yeah, right now, this is this is win time right now, gang. Uh, the, the people that get in front right now is the people that really got an opportunity to win this thing because maybe they're not going to go back to have another caution flag, and uh, they just might have made their last pit stop. Back down toward turn number one in the front straightaway. Bodine on the outside had the second spot from Waltrip at the stripe. He's going right after the leader, Bobby Allison. The Northwestern Security Life Insurance Chevrolet up alongside of Waltrip in the backstretch now. Now it's a half car lane. Here comes Waltrip to the inside. Bobby Allison still with a half car in front. Bodine tries the outside. He'll swing up a full groove higher, and it's still a battle for second place. Door to door, they ride for the number two spot between Jeff Bodine and Darrell Waltrip. Bobby Allison, barely a bumper length ahead of those two, rides in the lead. They've been door to door for the second spot for the last seven or eight laps around. Ricky Rudd is trying to catch up to that group to make it a four-way battle for the lead. Ron Bouchard hangs right behind him. They're back in three. Ricky Rudd is about 12 feet or so behind the two cars side by side for second, and that's how they go back to the line. Back down to turn number one. It is still side by side for second spot. Waltrip on the inside. Bodine up high as they trail Bobby Allison. He's got a rear view mirror full of that second place battle as they go to turn three. Allison with Bodine right behind him. Now Jeffrey looks to the high side. Waltrip glued to the low side. They'll almost come off three wide from turn number four. Back into the south end of the track with Allison in front watching what's going on behind him. 
And Benny, what is the situation? Does Bobby have the advantage as long as they beat and bang for second spot? Well, I think he probably does as long as he can keep beating and banging back there. But Jeff Bodine is is making a pretty good run at him on the outside. I, of course, here comes Ricky Rudd on the inside. Now, he's going to make the thing real interesting. <laughs> gets complicated. It's complicated enough with two cars running to try and win one. When it gets three, it gets really kind of thick. And when you put four in the pot, something's got to stir up in a hurry. Allison's in the lead. Waltrip is second. Third is Bodine. Fourth is Ricky Rudd. You could step from each car. That's how close they are together. Walk from one to fourth. They're back in three and four. Now you'll make a fifth step here in a hurry as Ron Bouchard tightens things up again. Dave Marcus's car catches the curbing, nearly takes Joe Rutman and Kyle Petty with him, but they are okay. Now Bodine sits there in the third spot. And now we might have another collision as Trevor Boys runs up on the rear deck of Dick Brooks' automobile. As those cars came off turn number four, they'll both stay in the straight line. Trevor Boys now has a generic race car. You look at the front of that, you couldn't tell it was a Chevy, a Buick, a Pontiac, a Nash, or a Toyota, the way it's caved in. But Bodine's sitting there in third spot, and we ask him, do you get kind of impatient when you follow somebody for a long time like he's done now? Do you get carried away and just try to say the heck with it and try to go out there and run after him and pass him? A guy can be just a little bit slower than you, or even a couple tenths, three or four tenths slower, and he can hold you up for a long while. And I guess that's where the sheet metal comes into play. You, you know, you got to let him know you're behind him, give him a little tap, or run down inside of him in the corner, just slide him out a little bit so he can get by. And, uh, you know, that's part of this short track racing. you got to use your sheet metal, and uh, here at Martinsville, you see a lot of it. This here's the story of a hard-driving Levi Garrett chewing man. While the old boys drove the meanest roads running through the hills, no one asked them what they did or how they paid their bills. But the hard-driving man today takes a different tack. He heads on down for the lights of town to that high-bank oval track. Now, we're talking stock cars. Number 98, that Levi Garrett car. Anybody here got some Levi Garrett? Well, all right. Taste that flavor. Say it proud. Say it loud. Taste that flavor coming through. The quality comes through. Time after time, the quality comes through. That's why Levi Garrett is the brand I'm proud to choose. Levi Garrett. At the Martinsville Speedway, 100 laps to go in the Sovereign Bank 500. Bobby Allison at the head of a five-car pack. Just now angling for the lead. Darrell Waltrip is right there in second spot. Jeff Bodine is third. Ricky Rudd is fourth. Rod Bouchard is fifth. From Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Maybe didn't take the car and he just wanted to Yeah, I, I was just curious. Yeah. Then. I, I just caught the tail end of that. I didn't have a good idea to talk to him at all. No, that's great. He's to say anything. Best if he's not. Yeah. Oh, he was standing on pit road, I guess, shaking his fist up at the tower. He's mad about something. Probably not getting Marcus out
trouble up in turn three. Kyle Petty got the nose of his car underneath the Dave Marcus automobile, just pushing him down into turn number three. Those cars were tied tightly together. Finally, Marcus's car spun between turns three and four, and Kyle Petty pulls on away. It was just one of those situations where they were basically being pushed down the back straightaway, and the push came. Marcus's car did a loop, and it brings out the caution for the ninth time today. World Marcus has been the DH of the NASCAR Winston Cup squad today. The American League that stands for designated hitter, so it seems. The right side of Marcus, well, that's another generic race car. You look along the right side of it, it didn't say Pontiac in big letters on the back. You wouldn't know what that one was. It's been so beat up and banged on here this afternoon. 95 laps to go. Well, we talked a moment ago about Trevor Boy's car uh, being have a, all kinds of sheet metal damage. You couldn't even tell what it was. And James Hilton, his car owner, talked about just a problem with a young Canadian driver about that he might be too aggressive at a place like Martinsville. Really good here. The uh, last race we run he, uh, here, I think he finished ninth. And uh, that's pretty good, you know, for a rookie driver. The trouble I have with Trevor, he's too aggressive for a place like this. He's used to his midgets and sprint car racing, and you know if you see a hole with a midget, you stick it in it. Yeah. And these cars, you don't do that. And he's he's learning every day and, and adjusting to that situation. And I look for him to do real well here. Well, he's had a frustrating day here. 405 laps complete, several cars in the pits. Let's go to Ned. There were several cars came in. Uh, Darrell Walter sort of faked Bobby Allison out. Uh, he acted like he was coming in. Allison did make a pit stop. It puts Waltrip in the lead as they get the signal for one more lap to go. Also in was Ron Bouchard and Ricky Rudd. Of course, Dave Marcus came in also during that uh, stop to get a change of right side tires. Give you a quick look at the Winston Cup schedule. Next Sunday, we're at Talladega for the Winston 500. Could be a 205-mile-an-hour pole up there at Talladega. In two weeks, Saturday night, Nashville International Raceway, the Coors 420. Three weeks from now, May 20th. The Mason-Dixon 500, the Budweiser 500 is called now at Dover Downs, Delaware. And the month of May for the Winston Cup cars winds up at Charlotte Motor Speedway with the World 600. In June, we go to Riverside, California, Pocono, Pennsylvania, and Brooklyn, Michigan. With all those ticket offices open today, you might call and order your tickets for Winston Cup racing as it heads toward your area. We're set to go back to green on lap 406. Field is in three. Darrell Waltrip on the outside of this double-file start has Bodine, Ricky Rudd, Allison, and Bouchard right behind him. Well, we're about to find out if Waltrip has been holding back the horses here today. He is the leader. He didn't come on pit road a moment ago. You heard Ned say he might have faked Bobby Allison a little bit out like he might want to. But riding in the second spot right now is Jeff Bodine, and it's a mad scramble from there back up in turn three and four. As always, Waltrip gets a great jump on the restart. Bodine is down by about three to four car lengths, then a couple of cars back to Ricky Rudd, followed by Bobby Allison. Rudd sandwiched between Bodine and the lap car of Tim Richmond, then Allison and Bouchard, those five cars on the lead lap with a shot to win it here. They're working lap traffic. Joe Rutman's a lap down, so is Neil Bonnet. Bill Elliott tried to get on back on the lead lap, couldn't do it. He's right now the sixth place car, or seventh place car, just behind Richmond. Two laps back, the Dale Earnhardt machine is posted 10th, Kyle Petty is 11th, three laps down is Buddy Baker, four laps down Marcus and Brooks, five laps back are Jarrett and Arrington, six laps down Rusty Wallace, and rounding out the top 20, Harry Gant, Richard Petty, and Phil Parsons. Well, we're down to the final 100 laps. Actually, we're going to be down to the final 90 laps when they come around this time. Waltrip in front, Bodine riding second, 
Going to be a good battle there. Bodine oh, Tim Richmond coming off turn number four gets a nudge from Bobby Allison. And it's Tim Richmond who this time spins and comes to a rest up against the inside pit retaining wall. Those two cars came off turn four. Allison gave him a bit of a nudge getting by. Tim Richmond has gotten his car righted and he's away. There'll be no caution. The leaders are coming back our way. They're in turn four. Waltrip with Bodine right behind him, then Ricky Rudd. That's a good call by NASCAR Winston Cup director Dick Beatty. The car spun and he told Chief Starter Harold Kinder, hold the caution, see if he gets going. Richmond did, and we were able to avoid having another caution period and stay under green as the leaders go to turn three. Mike, it was wonderful down here in the, in the pit area because Harold Kinder, once Richmond got the car straightened up, he said, okay, Richmond, go ahead. Richmond said, throw the flag. <laughs> but the flag was not thrown. Hard race for the lead right now. Bodine's going to try Waltrip on the outside as they hit turn number one, and he may get himself out of position and give that second spot to Ricky Rudd because the outside line, not necessarily the place to go, but he's been strong out there all day. They're door-to-door -door in three. Here's the flying wedge. Bodine right now alongside Waltrip to the high side. Ricky Rudd right behind Darrell. This time Bodine goes a bit too far high, and the front two cars pull away and maybe a third. Here comes Ron Bouchard sliding underneath his old New England nemesis, Jeff Bodine, and indeed Bodine caught on the high side. He'll backslide from second to the fourth spot and get taught a valuable lesson as the leaders go to turn three. And here's Bobby Allison again making it a tight five-car battle as he hooks on behind Bodine. Single file, Waltrip, Rudd, Bouchard, Bodine, and Bobby Allison. Could have been a mistake that Jeff Bodine and Darrell Waltrip didn't stop, although Waltrip is still out front. Bodine has slipped from second back to fourth right now. Neither one of them took on fresh tires during this last caution. Right now, all five of those front cars seem to be pretty well equal. Waltrip having his hands full with Ricky Rudd. He's been trying to get underneath him, and the both ends of the speedway couldn't do anything up in three and four this time as they come back down the front straightaway. And, Benny Parsons, you've been watching this all day. Anybody have an advantage? Would you flip a nickel for the difference right now? Well, I think that Darrell Waltrip has the advantage because he's in front, but Ricky Rudd's car has seemed to be superior all day long. So, you know, it looks like that the 15 car, the Wrangler Ford, is the one to beat. The grill in the front of Ricky Rudd's car flapping right now. That might be a problem for him before the day is out right here as he chases Waltrip back into turns number one and two. You could see the grill and that Thunderbird kind of flapping around there loose a moment ago. Now it isn't as they come off the corner. Here's Rudd underneath Waltrip door to door back into three. Let's see who's got the muscle. Ricky Rudd inside of Waltrip side by side in a turn three. The fans are standing waving and screaming. Ricky Rudd has the lead and here comes Bouchard. He wants second. Ron Bouchard will take the favorite inside line away from Waltrip. Waltrip's car pushes a bit coming into the corner. Bouchard will grab the second spot. Bodine learned his lesson about racing on the outside. He's underneath Waltrip now for third. This is the battle for third place. Bodine accelerates, pulls down to the low side of the racetrack, trying to outdive Waltrip into the corner. Bodine takes third, and here comes Bobby Allison. He won't be able to make a move. Allison pulls up on the rear deck lid of Waltrip as Waltrip gets back in line. So the front five shuffle again. It is Rudd, the leader. Bouchard now the second place car, Bodine is third, Waltrip is fourth, and Allison rides fifth. Now here's Ned Jarrett for Bush Beer. Fred Lorenzen was the first, the first Grand National driver to top $100,000 in single season winnings. That may not seem like much now, but Fred did it 20 years ago in 1963. It took some real smooth driving back then, and now here's something else that's real smooth, Bush Beer. Bush always goes down smooth as a mountain stream because it's brewed naturally with only classic American ingredients. So next time you watch NASCAR smoothest, enjoy the smooth taste of Bush beer. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Ever wonder why winners of big races like today celebrate by pouring champagne all over themselves, their crews, and fans? They wouldn't consider wasting their Gatorade thirst quencher. 
Gatorade Thirst Quencher helps put back in the valuable fluids and minerals they've lost going wheel to wheel, fender to fender for 500 miles. Better than soft drinks, fruit juices, beer, water, or even champagne. So next time you see some winner celebrating, watch closely. He'll be showering his outside with champagne, and he'll be showering his inside with Gatorade Thirst Quencher. 79 laps to go at Martinsville Speedway, the Sovereign Bank 500. They put up a quarter million dollars for this race, and the fans that have paid the price of admission to see it are certainly getting their money's worth. Just under 80 laps, 78 laps to go. Ricky Rudd and the Budmore Wrangler Ford is the leader. The Jack Beebe Race Hill Fires Buick for Ron Bouchard rides second. The Rick Hedrick Northwestern Security Life Chevrolet for Jeff Bodine is in the third spot. The Dieguard Racing Buick, the Miller High Life entry for Bobby Allison sits fourth. Junior Johnson's Budweiser Chevrolet for Darrell Waltrip, the fifth place car, all running just within sight of each other. Those are the five cars on the lead lap. For Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. At Martinsville Speedway, 426 on the board of the Sovereign Bank 500. Ricky Rudd is the leader, riding along second right now. Ron Bouchard, he's about a car length back of Ricky Rudd as Dale Jarrett takes his car into the back pits here at Martinsville. Still anybody's race right now, although some of the cars that were up there a moment ago for that five-way battle for the lead have fallen back a little bit, Eli Gold. That's right. Ron Bouchard is now three car lanes down to Ricky Rudd, and Jeff Bodine is about five or six car lanes behind Bouchard. And as a matter of fact, coming off turn number four, Bodine just tags the outside retaining wall but continues on his way. Behind Bodine, it's just about a second now back to Bobby Allison, and Bobby has nearly a second on Darrell Waltrip. So the first to fifth positions now basically the entire length of a straightaway here at Martinsville. Marty, you look at the front four cars on this racetrack. You folks listening at home, if you've ever driven on glare ice, that's what it looks like. The cars come into the turn and get sideways, and they're just all getting sideways coming off. It's just as if you're driving on ice or on snow. Well, you see the cars really kick out off the corner. Benny Parsons can tell us about that. When it's racetrack this late in the race, it does get slippery, Benny, and you just have to sort of fly by the seat of your pants. Well, it, it, the, you cannot get on the accelerator getting off the corner. And the, what happens is when you get on the accelerator, you've got to use all the racetrack as you're exiting the corner. And in Jeff Bonin's case a moment ago, the wall sometimes is just a bit too close, and you can go up and brush the wall. It's a long ways from being over. There will be 70 laps to go when leader Ricky Rudd in the Wrangler Ford of Bud Moore brings it back down to the line this time. He feels like he could win here. Told me the other day he felt like his chances here were about as good as any place they'd been. He's keyed up about this racetrack, and he likes the record that Bud Moore has produced here. Oh, I really am looking forward to running this race, Barney. I've had fairly good success at Martinsville. Uh, we won the last race up here, and I, and I think just, just that alone would be enough to, to make you want to come back and run again. Bud's cars have had a good running, uh, pretty good finishing history here. I know that uh, in the past it has not been a Ford racetrack, and there is a couple of problems that you try to, you're going to have to overcome by running a Ford. And a couple of things is we can't pull the lower gears of Chevrolets. It hurts us in a couple of ways. It hurts us. It ends up running us in the corner harder than we would like to uh, because the low gear doesn't slow the car down. And then, then you sacrifice a little bit with the acceleration up off the corner. So uh, I'm definitely going to have my work cut out for me on Sunday. He's in good shape right now. The fans give Terry Labonte and Dale Inman's Piedmont Airlines team a big cheer as they come back onto the racetrack after sitting on pit road for the last 30 minutes or so, making some repairs on that car. He went into the race today tied for the Winston Cup championship with Darrell Waltrip. Waltrip, if he can finish anywhere near where he is now, will should assume the lead this afternoon. That car is towed way out, Barney, and they're going to have to come back in and make adjustments to it. The tow-out is way off on Labonte's car, but he will get back out 
and be able to pile up some Wista Cup points. Ricky Rudd has the mo here at Martinsville, as Benny Parsons calls it, the momentum, but the two guys right behind him might have an even bigger mo, and that's motivation. If either Ron Bouchard or Jeff Bodine could win this race, they'd get on NASCAR's Winner's Circle program, especially for Bouchard, that'd be important. That car is running without sponsorship, and that appearance money would sure be a big help to them. It would be to the Harry Hyde and Rick Hendrick team as well. That's a lot of motivation to go for here this afternoon, so don't count him out. Bouchard has had a good run. That crew has really pulled together here to keep him in contention all day long, along with the Harry Hyde team. 435 on the board, 65 laps to go at Martinsville. Who's going to win it? Ricky Rudd, Ron Bouchard, Jeff Bodine, Bobby Allison, Darrell Walter. Well, we'll find out when we come back. From Martinsville Speedway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Just prior to the dropping of the green flag here at Martinsville, Ricky Rudd scooted out of the pits, went up between turns one and two, and the car came almost to a virtual stop between the first and second corner. Benny Parsons is in. Ricky's pit with Bud Moore. Benny? Well, I'm down with the crew. They're trying to figure out where the car is. Harold, what happened to the car a moment ago? We thought it was the coil. We don't know for sure. They thought the coil when the car died on the racetrack. Is that right, Harold? It is right now. It died earlier, and he coasted in, and uh, they put a coil on it. They thought that was the problem, but evidently it isn't. Benny, the car has stalled right in the middle of the backstretch. Ricky's running at just about 10 miles an hour trying to get around to the pit, but he's now gone at least a lap down. So that leaves four cars in the lead lap. Bobby Allison is out front. Darrell Waltrip is right behind him. Then Ron Bouchard and the Jeff Bodine automobiles. Those four cars are on the lead lap. One lap down, the fifth-place car would now be the Joe Rutman uh, Chevrolet. Sixth is Neil Vonnet, and seventh is Bill Elliott. They are one lap down, two laps back. According to the last posting we have are Kyle Petty and the Dale Earnhardt Wrangler Chevrolet. Three laps down is Buddy Baker. That's the way they line up here at Martinsville. 56 laps to go in the Sovereign Bank 500. And that'll make Ricky Rudd a good candidate for the Goodies Headache Award. He'll be one of several drivers that'll be in contention when the press votes on that. Jason to us in the press box just prior to the conclusion of this race. Earnhardt comes off pit road after getting service from the Richard Childress crew. Here comes Richard Petty. And let's go to Ned for an update because we'll go back to green flag racing in one lap. Well, Joe Rutman also came in the pits and Benny Parsons is down in the pits with Slick Poston who is now acting as crew chief on that car. Yes, Ned, I am sitting down with Joe Rutman, the pole setter's crew chief, Slick Poston. Slick, what, uh, Joe just came in the pits. What was the problem? Well, why didn't Joe Rutman just make a pit stop? He, he didn't like that last set of tires we had. It is a little loose. We're trying to tighten him up. So you changed just the left sides and adjusted the chassis? Yeah. Are you still in the same lap with the leaders? One lap down. One lap we, down. Uh, uh, field place, one lap down. Okay. That's it from down here, Ned. They're a lap down, and they're posted down as the sixth-place car. Neil Bonnet is fifth. We'll go back to green flag racing this time by... When they cross the stripe, it will be 54 laps to go. It'll be just a regular short track shootout, a regular 50-lap feature to decide the winner of the Sovereign Bank 500. The Pontiac Trans Am safety car leads the field out of turn four. He makes the cut to pit road. Bobby Allison will bring them down for the restart green flag. Allison looking for his first win out of 36 times at bat, so to speak, here at Martinsville. He's never won. This is the only Winston Cup track that the Grand Nationals run on that Allison has not posted a victory. He leads him off turn number two down the back chute. Waltrip goes after him in turn three. And then Ron Bouchard right behind Darrell Waltrip, and here comes Jeff Bodine to make it a tight four-car battle again. Between three and four, Bouchard hits the left rear of the Waltrip car, but everybody stays pointing in the right direction. What a frustrating way to lose a race for Ricky Rudd and the Wrangler team. They are back on the racetrack. Whatever the problem was, it is cured, and Rudd is out there, but he's going to be at least a couple of laps 
Pops may be more behind. Allison getting a little heat from Waltrip off the corner. Darrell got a fender alongside him for just a moment, but Allison pulls him up the straightaway into three. Everybody holds single file until Jeff Bodine pulls out from fourth position to try and pass Bouchard to the outside. He'll make a move on the front stretch. Bodine's not wasting any time. He's up alongside Bouchard. That'll let Bouchard sneak in underneath. Waltrip has got to come up to the high side to cover his spot. He's up against Allison. Bouchard has room on the bottom. Waltrip comes down to cover that spot. Good battle for third spot right now. Here's Bouchard inside of Bodine. Each one thinks about going in and around Darrell Waltrip, who is in second as Darrell looked inside of Bobby. That might just win the race for Allison here this afternoon. The hot competition back there for second, third, fourth, and fifth as they race door to door. Allison has a little breathing room for the moment with still a lot of laps. There'll be 50 to go next time around. Waltrip looks to the inside again up in turn three. Can't do it. Here comes Jeff Bodine, though. He'll try Waltrip to the outside of turns three and four. But again, Jeffrey slides higher by a full groove. Dick Brooks gets out of shape in turn four. Everybody goes by him, but Brooks stays out of the wall. Bodine takes it hard into the corner on the outside, and he's going to come out right next to Waltrip with Allison on the point of that three-car wedge and Ron Bouchard taking up the tail spot. They go back to three. Here in turn three again, Waltrip on the low side. She's Bodine. Try him upstairs. It didn't work last time. This time, Jeff doesn't slide nearly as much. He may have it. Field heading back into the south end of the racetrack. Allison is in front. It's been door-to-door between Darrell Waltrip and Jeff Bodine for the last four or five times around. And Benny Parsons, when you see Bodine trying to pass on the outside, you've got it hooked up when you do that. He really does have it hooked up. I am impressed so much. But Bobby Allison a moment ago seemed like he slipped up between the corner. And Jeff Bodine is taking the lead down the front straightaway, Barney. Bodine has the lead, and the heart's given out on Ricky Rudd's car. The engine was popping and sputtering as he came by. Rudd has gone to the garage area. Bodine's the leader. Allison second. Here comes Bouchard up on the outside and Waltrip on the inside. Darrell trying to hold on. He can't. And as a matter of fact, Bobby Allison now having trouble to hold on a second spot. Bouchard tries him to the high side. It allows Bodine to pull away by eight car lanes in a good battle for second. We speculated all day that Waltrip might just be laying back, but right now it's no time to lay back. Whatever you've got under the hood or anywhere in that car, you've got to get with it, but Darrell apparently does not. He has dropped back to fourth position. The leader, Jeff Bodine, and a healthy one at that up at turn three. This has turned into be a vintage NASCAR Winston Cup finish here with just some 47 laps to go. Bodine, Bouchard, Allison, and Waltrip in order. Barty, I'm not surprised. These two fellas have the motivation to win here. They both need a victory. Bodine searching his first Grand National win, and Bouchard his first since he won at Talladega in 1981. They both need to get on the Winter Circle program, and the New England Modified fans that came here to watch those open-wheel cars run yesterday, there are a lot of those in the stands, and I don't think they can believe it, seeing two of the superstars that they've watched up north for 10 years running out in front of fellows like Bobby Allison and Darrell Walter. They've paid their dues, and they are long overdue to be consistent winners on the NASCAR circle. It's been less than a, even three or four years ago, everybody was talking about where are the next Richard Petty's and where are the next David Pearson's and Bobby Allison's and Cale Yarbrough's coming from. I think that question has been answered this year and the last year with drivers like Bodine and Bouchard and Tim Richmond and Dale Earnhardt. There's plenty of driving talent. There's more good drivers right now and probably an equal number of race cars than we've seen since this sport began back in 1947. As far as the short track divisions of NASCAR are concerned, Jeff Bodine is this track's third all-time leading winner. He's won seven times in modified competition and twice in late model sportsman cars. Ron Bouchard's the owner of one modified victory here. One of them tried to get to victory lane. Bobby Allison's never won here in the Grand National Races, and these two young upstarts are trying to keep that record intact. 43 laps to go at Martinsville Speedway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Wind won't hurt either one of them. No, it won't. Not at all.
especially here. You know, this is the, the yeah. track where these guys would come down. This was the big time for them for many, many years to run here. Still is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, when they come down to the modified, yeah. this was this was the Daytona, the modified circuit. Less than 40 laps to go at Martinsville in the Sovereign Bank 500. Right now, Jeff Bodine has almost a straightaway over his New England neighbor right now as he tries to run away with it here at Martinsville. He's won a lot of races on this racetrack. They're up in turn three. Good battle there. A battle is for fourth position and third as Darrell Waltrip takes third away from Bobby Allison by just out-diving him into turn three and holding on to the low groove. That'll be a good-looking news to Ron Bouchard in his rearview mirror to see Allison and Waltrip knocking heads. Only four cars are on the lead lap here with 39 laps to go. Jeff Bodine, the leader, that Northwestern Security Life Insurance, City Chevrolet, the Rick Hendricks, C.K. Spurlock-owned car. He's right now running just ahead of Terry Labonte, who's had his share of problems this afternoon. And his old New England modified nemesis, Ron Bouchard, running in second, three seconds back. That's the separation. Then a long gap back again to Darrell Waltrip. And to Bobby Allison as Jimmy Hensley takes the Sunny King Ford behind the wall. The leaders are at the north end. Again, coming off the corner, Bodine still running well. Ron Bouchard's car has settled down nicely for a while there. He, too, really had the car kicking out off the corner, but it's running a smooth groove, as to our Allison and Walter. As the fans have been on their feet all, off and on all afternoon, cheering one battle or another, they watch Jeff Bodine try to put even more daylight on Ron Bouchard and maybe pick up his first Winston Cup Grand National victory ever. He came so close when he drove the Gatorade car, Cliff Stewart, for a couple of years. He's been so close to victory lane a couple of times this year. But right now, it's all coming together for him here at Martinsville if they can just stay exactly where they are right now. And there's not a team that deserves a win any more than that one right there. Neither the same situation, of course, for Ron Bouchard. They have put so much work in the car. Right now, it's Bodine just pulling away from the field. And, Ned, I guess you really don't ever know if the car is right until you get about 100 or a couple of hundred laps in the race, no matter where you are. Well, the track changes, Barney. And then, of course, every time you change tires, you get a little different setup. It makes the car react differently, although they, they try to get the tires to where they work uh, the best or match them up the best that they possibly can. But one thing that the good teams will do is to save a good match set of tires for the last what they feel will be the last set. And certainly the ones that Jeff Bodine has on now are matched up. And it could be, Benny Parsons, that he's got on a set of tires that he had on earlier here this afternoon that worked well for him. That's, that could be very true because his car right now is really hooked to the racetrack. It looks like Ricky Rudd's car did 100 laps ago. And, you know, as, as Barney was talking about, Ned, the first 100 laps of the race, it looked like Bobby Austin was going to be unbeatable. But now all of a sudden some of the other cars have come in and, uh, and they are unbeatable. So the racetrack does change. As it gets warmer, uh, as the sun comes out, as it goes back in, a lot of things make a difference. So many things change in this business at any racetrack. Each racetrack has its own given set of 
changes. Of course, the drivers and the teams keep records. You wouldn't believe some of the meticulous records they keep all the way back through 1960 of what worked there. Of course, it wouldn't apply now, but they still know and can play off that at every racetrack. There's not a team that comes here or any other track that doesn't go back to past history, what worked and what didn't work. But sometimes that, too, is completely different. What worked here last year, you put it underneath the car, and you can't do anything with it. Well, you look at past history, Barney, and this track favors new winners on the circuit. Chip Williams, NASCAR's PR director, just slipped us a note. Out of the last four years, three of the drivers to win this race were first-time winners. Morgan Shepard drove a Cliff Stewart car to victory here in 1981. Harry Gantt, the Skull car, won his first Winston Cup race here in 82. Then, of course, uh, Darrell Waltrip broke that string when he won this race last year. But uh, it does favor first-time winners, and you've got two fellas trying to do that trick here today in the front two spots. Now, Bouchard's car has developed quite a push here at the south end of the speedway. He's not getting through this end of the track like he'd like to, and Darrell Waltrip is closing in on the second-place car, two-tenths of a second every lap. They're talking about first-time winners here. I think, Ned, I, I guess you probably remember this. Didn't Earl Ross, the rookie driver from Canada some years ago, win the only race or first race he ever won? Here yes, also? it was the only race that he ever won, and it was while he was a rookie contender, Barney Hall. So uh, it, it is kind of a track that uh, that will be forgiving in some ways but awfully taxing in others and uh, is a good track for first-comers. Going to be 28 laps to go next time around for the leader right now which is Jeff Bodine, and I know Harry Hyde and that team are just standing down on pit road, kind of holding their breath lap after lap, watching him work around some of the lap traffic, hoping he can just stay out there. He's taken kind of a strange line for Martinsville here most of the day. We've been watching him in this end of the racetrack. He prefers not so much to run right down next to the curbing. He likes to run out in that second group. We've even seen him, as we've heard us talk about all afternoon, trying to make some passes and has made some passes on the outside. So his car is hooked up a little bit differently. Eli Goldie's been making the same moves up in your area. He really has. He's been passing to the high side, although now, when he is running basically by his lonesome, he's still working just about as low down on the racetrack as anybody is going to. But aside from looking to be a first-time winner, you've just got to like the way that team was put together. And remember, it's a new team. They handpicked the people they wanted, and obviously it's paying off for them. 26 laps to go at Martinsville. Bodine, the leader. Bouchard in second. In the third spot is Waltrip, and fourth is Allison. They're all on the lead lap. One lap down is Neil Bonnet in fifth, Joe Rutman, the pole sitter, in sixth, and Bill Elliott. Two laps back in the eighth spot is Kyle Petty. Ninth is Dale Earnhardt. And tenth, three laps off the pace, is Buddy Baker. Let's pause ten seconds for station identification. Just 25 laps to run in the Sovereign Bank 500. The two established veterans and Winston Cup champions, Allison and Waltrip, against the two upstarts from the NASCAR Mod Squad. It's going to be modified madness here if either Bodine or Ron Bouchard can pull this one off. We're at Martinsville, 18 laps to go for the leader right now, Jeff Bodine, having no problem. Car handling flawlessly. He's got a good, healthy lead of better than a straightaway, which would be, what, about seven or eight seconds, maybe ten seconds over the second-place car, Ron Bouchard. Still in third is Darrell Waltrip. Fourth is Bobby Allison. And fifth, a lap off the pace, is Waltrip's teammate, Neil Bonnet, in the second Budweiser car. 483 on the board, 17 to go. Here's Bodine on the south end of the track, puts it down to the bottom of the racetrack this time. For most of the afternoon, he's preferred to kind of run out in that outer lane. But such, right now, he can almost go anywhere he wants to because he has the old racetrack to himself where he's at. Definitely closing on Ron Bouchard is Darrell Waltrip. He's got that gap down now to less than a second, or just about one second as they round out of turn number four. Bouchard's car, don't think, uh, Ned and Benny, that car's handling quite the way that Ronnie would choose for it to. No, it doesn't appear as if it's handling like it uh, did 
in some of the earlier spurts before, Mike. As you mentioned, it looked like the car might be pushing a little bit. That means that the back end is holding a little bit tighter when he goes into the corners than he wants it, and that doesn't let it get turned in the center of the corner. has to wait on it a little bit longer before he can accelerate off the turns. So with 15 laps to go, Jeff Bodine has a lead of 6.4 seconds. On second place, Ron Bouchard, the two drivers that cut their teeth on the New England NASCAR modified circuit and ran there for 10 or 12 years before coming to the Winston Cup ranks. Bouchard, Rookie of the Year in 1981. Bodine ended up Rookie of the Year a year later. Bouchard won a race in his rookie year. The thrilling, probably the most thrilling finish in NASCAR history, at least one of them, that Talladega 500, when he beat Darrell Waltrip and Terry Labonte by only two feet in a three-wide finish at the world's fastest speedway. Well, they'll be going out there next week for the Winston 500 at the conclusion of today's Sovereign Bank 500. We'll have a little time to chat with some of the drivers and how they preview what might be happening in Talladega next week. Projection is qualifying speed, should they get kind of a halfway cool day out there, would be somewhere between 203, 205 miles an hour. Bobby Allison this afternoon, as Manny Parsons said earlier, looked like he might just run away with this race. Would have been his first win ever here at Martinsville. Right now, he slid back to fourth position, still on the lead lap. Hasn't had all that bad a run here today, but things just have not fallen in his favor. It's been a frustrating track for him over the years, having never won. In fact, it's been a frustrating year for him, and I asked him yesterday, why do you think the year has gone so badly for your team? Well, I think that once we got the championship behind us, which was a goal for all of us for a long time, that we probably, uh, we might have been trying too hard to, uh, to get the car faster. And, uh, you know, racing is always a game of going to the edge, but we got a hold of a lot of parts that really were uh, very inferior that we thought were better. And uh, that's been our downfall for the most part. Allison's had a lot of stuff break on his race car. Dave Marcus slows a moment ago as he is coasting up the backstretch up toward Eli Gold. Dave Marcus's car has just been beaten and banged upside down on the next. Uh, he has slowed. He had a little fluid dripping from the car a short while ago, and that's why he's quickly gotten out of everybody's way and uh, make sure he doesn't put any of the uh, whatever little fluid he's dripping into the racing groove area and right now he hugs the curbing and he's on the starter I believe right now you can see the car kind of jerking forward stopping jerking forward it'll probably nurse it around towards pit road and be out of everybody's way they're into the countdown now to be eight laps to go and Jeff Bodine crosses the stripe as Dave Marcus gets safely out of harm's way the scoreboard will show eight laps to go for Bodine Ron Bouchard continuing to hold the second spot Waltrip continuing to close a lap car separate them up the north end right now Ron Bouchard with Greg Sachs behind him and then the Waltrip car. It's just about a half second between those two and that deferential has not changed in the last lap or two. Bobby Allison still the last car on the tail end of that lead lap riding fifth is Neil Bonnet. He's a lap down. Sixth, Joe Rutman. Seventh, still posting Bill Elliott. Boy, they've had a frustrating year. Folks really figured after that win at Riverside, California last year at the final race of the season, they might just set the woods on fire in 1984. They figured the same thing, but they just have not seemed to be able to hook it all up thus far. But still, he's going to come up with at least a seventh-place finish here this afternoon. In eighth, Kyle Petty still getting a little bit better every week in that 7-11 car, and he thinks they'll win a race maybe by midseason or somewhere by the time July rolls around. In ninth position, 
hard day here at Martinsville for the Wrangler second team Wrangler driver and Dale Earnhardt. He'll have a top 10 finish if he can run out another six slaps here at Martinsville. And in 10th is Buddy Baker. You know, Joe Rutman's going to have a good finish today. Barney, a fellow who sat on the pole and Levi Garrett Chevrolet with all the changes that team has been through. They've been trying hard to post a couple of top 10 finishes this year. Looks like he'll wind up in the sixth position if he can stay in the slot that he's in for another five laps. Jeff Bodine takes the field out of the corner and down the straightaway once again and it'll be four laps to go next time by. Bodine will be catching the tail end of a big pack of traffic up in front of Eli Gold. Ricky Rudd, Bill Elliott, Kyle Petty, Harry Gant, Richard Petty, and Joe Rutman. All those cars are ahead of Jeff Bodine. It'll be a good couple of three, maybe four laps before he catches him. So, uh, or at least has to really negotiate a lot of traffic. So he might just run out of laps before that problem. Ned Jarrett will be going down to do victory lane in just a little bit. And if, if Bodine can hold it all together here this afternoon and win, I think Harry Hyde and that team will be the happiest one in a long time. Ned, you may be in danger down there the way they'll celebrate. Well, Barney Ned has already went down to get ready for the victory lane ceremonies, but uh, I'm sure that all those guys down in, in the Jeff Bodine crew all watch that car go down the front straightaway very intently, watch it go in turn one and saying, please, don't anything happen to it now. Benny, what kind of noises do you hear in that race car? You look at that board and see three laps to go. Well, <laughs> Bodine right now, I think his biggest concern is just let's don't anybody spin out in front of me and let's don't have any trouble in front of me because he's not hearing any noises. It's been 500 laps, and he's just concerned about the people in front of him who are racing for position. You know, uh, uh, Joe Rutman and uh, Neil Bonnet are having an awfully good race for fifth spot, and there is some serious racing going on out there, and he just hopes he don't get involved in any of it. He backs out of the throttle. He's in no hurry to catch that battle and that pack of traffic right ahead of him. White flag for Jeff Bodine as he flashes down into the south end of the speedway behind Morgan Shepard. Bodine brings it down out of turn number two. A little bit of marks up the right side of that Northwestern Security Life Chevrolet, but he's in the backstretch for the final time. Looks like he's going to win his first ever Winston Cup race. Yeah, that race traffic will not be a factor, Bodine gets the waves from the crowd. He waves back as he looks for the checkers. He's been waving all the way around. Here is Bodine winning his first race ever in Winston Cup competition. He'll win the Sovereign Bank 500 in a very popular win. I don't think there's anybody in the grandstand that isn't standing, waving their hats off to this young driver who has been around a long, long time. He paid his dues for a lot of years, took a lot of heat, a lot of criticism from some of the other drivers about his driving tactics when he first came down here. Kind of got him upset a little bit, but he just let it all roll off, and he knew how long it would take. He'd have to pay his dues, and swallow the criticism. It's paid off for him today. Well, it's modified madness here at Martinsville. Not only Bodine winning, but Ron Bouchard, the other New England driver. They've both been track champions at many of the speedways up in the Northeast, and they'll finish 1-2 ahead of Winston Cup veterans Darrell Waltrip, Bobby Allison, and Neil Bonnet. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. A very popular win here at the Martinsville Speedway this afternoon. Young Jeff Bodine picking up his first Winston Cup victory ever. And right now, let's go down to Ned Jarrett. Well, Barney, they took his car to the scales to weigh it in before they bring him over to Victory Lane. We're waiting for them to come with the car. And both Jeff, part of his uh, crew, beginning to come into the Victory Lane area here. And we see his wife, Kathy, with big tears in her eyes. And, of course, they're happy tears witnessing his first ever NASCAR win. We'll be back with you in Ned, just a moment. While we're waiting on Jeff Bodine to get over, I'm with Bobby Allison, the fourth-place finisher. Bobby, you looked like you had it going the first part of the race. What happened? Well, the car was super, and uh, we ran out of brakes. Used up the brakes? 
used them up. I tried my best to be easy on them, but uh, I just uh, didn't succeed. What can I say? Well, you know, we talked about that all during the broadcast and just how tough it is, Bobby. And I've been here before, and, and you know, in 50 laps, I've been out of brakes. And, uh, you know, how, how do you really accomplish what you did today with bad brakes? Well, you know, it was a great disappointment because the car was so strong. And, uh, you know, for, uh, for the brakes to go away and put us in a tight like that uh, with a car otherwise able to run so good, it just uh, broke my heart. But that's... That's the way it goes. That's a whole lot better than a couple weeks ago at Darlington. Okay, Benny, we have Jeff Bodine here who has the roses and a big hug from his wife, Kathy. Jeff, you finally did it, buddy. I'm tired. I'll tell you, Ned. Couldn't happen at a better racetrack. This guy here's treated me like a son since I've come down here. Of course, he's pointing to Clay Earls when he says that. That's right. And I'm out of breath. And I'll tell you, it couldn't have been a better racetrack. It was a super race. Ricky had some problems, but I don't know why Harry Hyde did that last stop. He made some adjustments, and I'll tell you, that car would go anyplace. It flat put it to going. There was no question about it, and that seemed to be the key. It was. Uh, I owe it to that man and that crew. I'll tell you what, they did it. I was just out there riding in the days. Couldn't believe what was happening. Jeff, now this gets you and the Northwestern security team eligible for the winter circle plan. Do you believe that? Rick, you should have been here. Rick Henrik to the home. Yeah, Rick, you should have been here, Rick. Papa Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got to thank Northwestern for sponsoring our car. You know, to sponsor a new team right out of the box takes a lot of nerve for a sponsor. And they didn't know how well we were going to do, but they put credit on Harry Hyde and my ability. And today it's paid off. I need to thank them. C.K. Spurlock and Rick Henrik are the team owners. Without them, we wouldn't be here. And I love it. Well, I tell you, to win in the eighth race out is quite an accomplishment from a brand-new Winston Cup team. Jeff, again, our congratulations. Thanks, Ned. Thanks, Ned. Ned, has Jeff got a headset? No, he Ned? doesn't have, Mike. Go ahead. You'd ask, yesterday at that birthday party, we talked earlier in the broadcast, and mm -hmm. Harry Hyde said they weren't quite ready to win a race, and Jeff was real quick to contradict him. Jeff, yesterday at the birthday party that the Jeff Bedine fan club had for you here, you and Harry Hyde made a talk to the group there, and uh, he said you didn't have quite the horsepower that you might need, but it's coming, but you sort of contradicted that here today. Well, you know, that's where the handling came in. Uh, that last that last run, that last pit stop, we all handled everybody by far, and Harry made the right adjustments, and, you know, up till then we were good, but it looked like Ricky had the best handling car, and then he had problems, and, I think at the end we had a better car than anybody all day, and uh, it's all up to Harry. And he wanted to uh, kind of key down our fans. We had a lot of fans down here for that party and for the race, and he didn't want to get them all up and then get them disappointed if we couldn't go out and win. But I told him there we were going to win. You sure did. You contradicted what he thought, and here you are in victory circle. Mike and uh, Barney, I'm down in the pits with a very courageous young man, Neil Bonnet, who has a couple of medics attending to his hand right now. Neil, tell us what happened to your hand. Benny, on about the 70 or 80th lap, I was going around the slow car, and the car hit the curb and went over the curb and hit my left front wheel, and I had my thumb up in the spoke of the wheel, and it turned it about two revolutions, and it dislocated. Turn, turned your thumb a couple of revolutions. Yeah, it bent it backwards, and it, it dislocated my thumb, and I, I got it. I thought I was going to get out of the car, and I got it pulled back, and it, that bone's got a big knot sticking up, and I don't know if I'm going to get an x-ray. You mean you pulled your own thumb? You and it was dislocated, you pulled it back straight and kept on going. Well, I didn't have a whole lot of choice out there. But it didn't hurt. At that time, it was hurting so bad, it seemed like a thing to do. Neil, that hurts me. Back to you in the tower. 
What a hard day for Neil Bonnet and a courageous man indeed to stay out there all day. Happy Jeff Bodine and Harry Hyde crew have won their first one here at Martinsville. Well, it is truly modified madness here at Martinsville for the New England modified race fans. They've ended up with first and second spot here. We've heard from the winner, Jeff Bodine. Now let's go to Benny Parsons with the runner-up. I am down in the pit area with Ron Bouchard, who is nursing a burned foot. What happened to your foot, Ronnie? Well, the floor got really hot, Benny, around 200 laps, and I just tried to keep the heel off, and you probably know better than anybody how it is. Uh, it kept getting hotter and hotter, and it just finally had burned it, so you can't even feel it. Uh, do you think it had any, any effect on the outcome of the race? I don't think so. Uh, Jeff run real good all day long. Uh, he was one of the tough cars, and Ricky Rudd was another one. He runs super all day. And when we had that last pit stop, the last set of tires I had on weren't quite as good as the set before, and it, it put us back a little bit. Jeff was able to get away from us. But your car did perform pretty doggone good, and it has been performing good for the last six or seven races. It really has, Benny. I think every race this year we've run, we've been really tough, and the cars work good, and we've got a good bunch of guys working for us. Uh, you know, the pit stops are 100% better than they ever been, and that's all part of uh, winning a race. Well, I won't let Paula get back to attending your foot. Thank you, Ronnie. And I'm standing by with Harry Hyde, the crew chief on this thing. Uh, Harry has been uh, not away from racing, but out of direct competition. Harry, this has to be a good feeling for you. Oh, it's wonderful, Ned. It really is. I feel wonderful for the boys, uh, the crew, Jeff. May, I, I'm, I'm real proud that we could give Jeff, or I could have a part of giving him the, his first win in the Grand National. And, and for Rick Hendricks and all the, all the fellas, uh, uh, Rick, you know, is my engine man. Uh, he buys the parts, you know. And uh, all the boys back at the shop at Bill's Engines. And we're just uh, we're thrilled to death for him because uh, it looks like that he had this coming, and uh, we were able to give it to him today. The track conditions and... The engine and Jeff and the chassis and everything fell right into place, and it made us look awful good, and we're real proud. You recognize the talent in this fellow. Oh, I've watched Jeff drive many, many times, and, and I've always wanted to lay my hands on him, and I knew that the first time we got him in position that he'd win a race for us. Well, and it had to be particularly good here at Martinsville where he has been winning in the past, and, and your forte, although you may build some awfully fast engines in your shops back there in Harrisburg, North Carolina, but also in handling has been a key in uh, your success over the years. Well, I think it's a two-way street. You know, you've got to have the engines, and you've got to have the chassis, and the crew, and the driver, and, of course, the car owner, which is my engine man and my car owner both, Rick Hendricks. Well, now, when you were introducing all your crew to the Jeff Bodine fan club there yesterday, you were talking about all the backgrounds that they came from. You had a high-wire man and a bulldozer driver, and I don't know what all else. You had a UPS a truck driver and all of that kind of thing. They performed pretty well here today. That's true. We've got a kind of a mixed bunch, and uh, it just makes you know that they're going to do what they want to do. And they wanted to pit that car good today, and they did it. And uh, I did a fine job, and we just didn't hardly make any mistakes at all today, and everything worked in our favor. And you have to have that, uh, Ned, and I guess it, we needed it for, uh, to push us on real hard this season, and I feel like that this will give Rick Hendricks the push that he needs to go the whole season. Well, it certainly looks that way. You're on the winter circle plan now. If you choose to do that, I'm sure you will. Our congratulations again. Thank you, Ned. We'll be right back to Martinsville Speedway. This is MRM, the Motor Racing Network. Back at the Martinsville Speedway, and a happy Jeff Bodine and his crew, as you've heard from his crew chief a moment ago, Harry Hyde, down there, talking about that the effort that they had put into it, and they were totally surprised to win this early in the season, although, Mike, you said Jeff told him yesterday he didn't think that there would be any problem winning, and he felt like they were ready to win right out of the box, and the team has come together. They deserve to win here today. He is 
He's matured as a driver. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with down the road. And at Talladega next week, he doesn't run all that bad out there. Neither does his, as you said a moment ago, his New England neighbor, Ron Bouchard. Remember, he won his first race at Talladega. So maybe it'll be Bouchard's turn next weekend when we go out there. That's true, Barney. And a year ago, Bodine, when he was driving for the Cliff Stewart team, sat on the pole for both the July race at Daytona and the August race at Talladega. So he's no slouch when it comes to the super speedways either. Well, Barney, I'm down in the garage area with Darrell Waltrip, the driver of the Budweiser Chevrolet. Darrell, uh... Bad long day? <laughs> well, it's been a long 48 hours. I did another one of those uh, deals going back to Nashville and trying to race last night and uh, then over here racing today. And, you know, our car did fairly well. It, it wasn't exactly like I'd like it. Uh, it didn't handle like I wanted to. We had a little bit of a brake problem. But uh, I guess when you look at who the way everybody was running to come in uh, third ain't, ain't too awful bad. I'd like to say hello to everybody back in uh, Franklin and Owensboro and thank God for a safe race and look forward to next Sunday in Talladega. There was a bunch of, uh, as we called it during the broadcast, framing and bamming going on. But your car was, doesn't seem to be torn up too bad. Well, Benny, you know, them, those kind of things are more fun to watch than they are to participate in. And so I try to find me a place where I can watch some of them. The heck with getting involved in them. My car came through pretty clean. It was two weeks in a row that a lot of cars had served some damage, but Daryl's came through it again. Daryl, good race. Thank you, Benny. We'll be right back to Martinsville Speedway with the order of finish of today's Sovereign Bank 500. Well, there are probably 50 very timely moves made today here at Martinsville that helped a lot of drivers come home with a good finish in the Sovereign Bank 500. Let's poll our MRN broadcasters to see who ends up with the Timex timeliest move of the race award this afternoon. Let's go up to Eli Gold first. Barney, I think I'm going to continue the modified madness theme. You know, Bobby Allison, uh, a great piece of driving to get by Dean Combs. Ricky Rudd had some fine moves to get by Tim Richmond earlier. But... Back on lap 154, Greg Sachs did a great piece of driving to avoid Ricky Rudd after Rudd and Marcus had come together, and Ricky went across the grassy apron of turns three and four. Sachs made sure there was no contact. Uh, you might expect a veteran, like we said, of Allison, somebody to do that. Ricky Rudd, he was in Sachs's way there, and Sachs got the job done by not taking him out and everybody else. So I'll give my vote to Greg Sachs. Ned Jarrett? I'm going to have to vote for the Harry Hyde crew uh, for the moves that they've made here all day long in the pits. They were very timely, and, of course, whatever they did on that last pit stop, it certainly put them out there running and put them in a position to win this race. So my vote goes to Jeff Bodine's pit crew. See if Benny Parsons is still with us. Barney, I have to vote for the Budmore pit crew. <laughs> you know, Ned and I are voting for the pit crews today, but I really got to because they made about 10 pit stops, kept adjusting the toe in, and kept Ricky Rudd in the same lap with an opportunity to win the race. Uh, the car failed later on, but I, my, my vote's got to go for the Budmore crew. Barney, I think the single timeliest move was the one Bobby Allison pulled coming down the front straightaway on the 223rd lap. Dean Combs' car had come almost to a virtual stop. Allison was leading the race, and he made a hard right turn in what might not have been any hole at all, got around Combs, and was able to continue without incident. Otherwise, he would have lost the whole front end of his race car. I'd have to nominate Bobby. Well, there were so many timely moves made, as we said, but I think I'm going to go along with, with the Budmore crew also because when you stop and think about it, the moves they made all day long. Ricky was involved in one of the cautions over there in the back straightaway. They got in and out, made up a lap, made at least four pit stops right along in there in about a five-car deal and ended up keeping him in contention. He had a strong shot to win here this afternoon. Not only did they make one timely move, they made a half a dozen timely moves here today. I think I'll cast my vote for the Budmore team. Well, so that money from Timex Watches, the official timepiece of NASCAR, will go to the Ricky Rudd Budmore crew. 
and they'll pick up that award for the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award, $500. That'll go along with the $500 they'll get from goodies. The press assembled in the press box next door to us voted Ricky for having the biggest headache of the running of this race, and I, I think the biggest headache, Brian, is going to be the body men that work on these cars tomorrow morning. A bunch of headaches going to be there and a bunch of Bondo dust flying around these Grand National shops, but Ricky will get the goodies headache award as well. Okay, we'll be right back. We'll take a look at the finish of today's Sovereign Bank 500 and a look ahead to Talladega after we take this 60-second pause from the Martinsville Speedway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at the Martinsville Speedway, it's all over in the Sovereign Bank 500. Let's give you the rundown on how they finished unofficially. Of course, Jeff Bodine picking up his first Winston Cup win ever, coming home victorious here this afternoon. Finishing second, Ron Bouchard. Third spot goes to Darrell Waltrip. Fourth to Bobby Allison. Fifth to Neil Bonnet. Sixth to Joe Rutman. 7th to Bill Elliott, 8th to Kyle Petty, finishing 9th is Dale Earnhardt, 10th is Buddy Baker, 11th is Dick Brooks, finishing 12th will be Richard Petty, 13th spot going to Harry Gantt, 14th Dale Jarrett, outstanding run for this young driver here today in his first outing in Winston Cup competition, finishing 15th will be Rusty Wallace, 16th spot goes to Phil Parsons, 17th to Greg Sachs, 18th to driver Ricky Rudd, 19th position will go to Dave Marcus. Finishing 20th is Jimmy Hensley. 21st spot to Clark Dwyer. 22nd to Trevor Boyce. 23rd to Tim Richmond. 24th spot will go to Terry Labonte. Finishing 25th, Buddy Arrington. 26th is Morgan Shepard. 27th, Dean Combs. 28th, Doug Heverin. Finishing 29th, Tommy Ellis. Finishing 30th is Ronnie Thomas. And 31st position will go to Mike Alexander. And that's the way they'll finish unofficially here at Martinsville. Well, it'll be a busy weekend at Talladega, Alabama, the fastest speedway on earth. Next Thursday, Bush Pole qualifying for the Winston 500, the Permatex 500 there on Saturday, and, of course, the Winston 500 on Sunday. Motor Racing Network will be there to bring you all the action, and many of these stations will be carrying pit road preview as well from Talladega Saturday afternoon from 3 to 4 p.m. That's Central Daylight Time, 4 to 5 Eastern Daylight Time on most of these MRN stations. As much fun, Barney, as it is to come here to this really beautiful short track and watch the Keep coming back to that phrase, framing and bamming, that goes on here. It's really going to be a thrill to go to Talladega and see those 200-mile-an-hour-plus speeds. Well, Neil Bonnet had some thoughts about a race fan who he says goes to anywhere, to Michigan, to Daytona, to Atlanta, to Rockingham, wherever, and he says you have never seen the kind of racing they do at Talladega. He says all the race fans, no matter what they've seen, and unless they've been to Talladega, they just can't believe there's, it. Like we say, like I said before, there's some of the tracks that were exceeding the speed there. That place there, you, we can come off those corners two and three abreast and jumping around all over the racetrack running in excess of 200 miles an hour because it was built with that layout in mind. And uh, I've had people live in that local area go up there and watch a race and they say, man, I couldn't believe the start of that thing. You know, here comes all these cars off there at 200 miles an hour in a big pack. Uh, it's like thunder coming down through that valley. It's a, it's a whole new concept of racing. And, you know, the, like you say, people that haven't saw that racing are missing a, a very good show. The short tracks are a lot of fun and I like short track racing, but the big tracks like that, we get to let these old big race cars turn loose. He also made the observation that this might possibly be the last time at Talladega that the fans will have a chance to see the 200-mile-an-hour speeds. There is a possibility. He thinks that maybe NASCAR will cut those speeds somewhere down the road. And he says, I, I don't want them to do that. He says, I want to go out there. That's his cup of tea. He likes the high speed. And if ever a racetrack was built for 200-mile-an-hour, Talladega certainly is. Certainly is. And we'll look forward to going there next Sunday to bring you all the action of the Winston 500. Our thanks to Martha Mew who handled the scoring loop for us today. Special thanks to our Winston Cup championship pit team, Ned Jarrett and Benny Parsons, Eli Gold to cover the action at the north end of the speedway. We'll speak to you next weekend from Talladega. For Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy congratulating Harry Hyde, Jeff Bodine, and the all-star racing team on their first 
Winston Cup Grand National victory here in the Sovereign Bank 500. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Martinsville Speedway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush by STP Corporation, depend on proven performance, STP, your car care company, by Pontiac, at Pontiac, we build excitement, by Wrangler Brand, live it to the limit in Wrangler, by Skull, moist smokeless tobacco, a pinch is all it takes, by Piedmont Airlines, the up and coming airlines, by Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco, time after time, the quality comes through, by Gatorade Thirst Quencher, give your body what it's thirsty for, by Timex Watches, the official timepiece of NASCAR, by Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time, by Chameleon Sunglasses, the only sunglasses with sun sensor lenses, and by Ocean's 11 Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen, chief engineer Brian Cooper, director of affiliates Mark Garrow, assistants Bobby Cantor and Pat Hensley. This is Rick Lewis asking you to stay tuned to most of these stations for the Winston 500 from the Alabama International Motor Speedway next Sunday. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.